Welcome to Occasionally Awesome. I'm Nick Youssef. I'm Kevin Christie. This is our longest episode ever. Epic. Uh, and worth it. It's fun. Um, damn, I thought of a name for it. Based on how long it is? No, no. Just... What was... Fuck. I forgot what I was going to call it. It was... Uh, oh, In Deep with Keep. Oh, good. You like that? Yeah. Good, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the reason we call it that is because... Um, our guest, go ahead, is Yuna Kim. She owns and operates Keep Shoes. She's a, been a friend of mine for, we find out, like over eight years. Yeah. I've known her for a while. She is awesome. Um, I've always been really impressed by her having her own business and going about it the way she goes about it. So I wanted to just talk to her about what it's like to like be a boss yeah. and try to be like a cool one and to you know, uh, maintain your level of excitement when having to deal with like the stresses of having an your own business like you're uh, you're it's just you you're it's your own business you don't work for somebody it's a thing you're trying to do so we get into you know kind of her background and why she decided to go do that and how she kind of goes about it it's interesting yeah. uh real quick let's cover our business okay and then we'll get into the episode a little more because it's a long one and there's a lot that goes on so we're going to tell you why you should listen to the whole thing because it's like two and a half hours long right. um what are you doing this week? Where are you going to be? What are, what's Just going on? Just hanging out. Probably going to be at the comedy store. Okay. And then Neil's show oh, Sunday. Oh, tonight I'll be at the Westside Comedy Theater hosting. They're doing a showcase for Adam Devine's house party. I'm going to host it. Should be fun. Is this... T- tonight. No. Tuesday. Oh, Tuesday night. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because in my head I was like, right. what day yeah, it is. Yeah. We're recording this. All right. right. So Tuesday. Oh, good. Where's that at? Westside Comedy Theater. Fuck yeah. Santa Go Marco. to that, guys, if you live on the West Side. Um, I will be... At the, I'm doing Meltdown on Wednesday night. Um, if you're listening to this today, my album on vinyl is officially available. It's out. Get it. Go get it. There's a link on my Instagram, on my Twitter, on a special thing records, their Twitter, uh, on Jonah Ray's Twitter. Um, it's 15 bucks. It is. Uh, going to be shipped to you i don't think it's going to be anywhere some people keep asking me is it going to be anywhere in la stores no i don't think so uh i know some of the releases end up being at a couple places but i have not heard that if that changes i'll let you know um but get it i think it's going to be super i think it's fucking cool that jonah's doing that um there's going to be a lot of releases on that literally literally figurative records this is the first, and there's going to be a lot of cool ones to come. Matt Dwyer's recording one, I think. I think he did it already, so that'll come out soon. And split seven-inch series with like comedians in a band, one on each side, which is going to be also awesome. Um, so yeah, that will be. I'll be there. A meltdown show Wednesday at eight, um, and then end of the month, end of January, I'm at the Houston Improv. Um, according to this podcast, we have a fair amount of listeners that are in Houston and Dallas. Oh, cool. Um, so if you guys are listening to this, uh, come to their shows. They'll be good. I'm there with Bobby Lee. My first time playing the Houston Improv. So uh, come out. Make it fun. Give me recommendations. I need good coffee, good food, good vintage, all that shit. Just stuff to look at, you know? Um, what else? I If you saw our lookbook for Self-Edge. Yeah. Uh, thank you. If not, go look at it. We, I'm a model. Yeah, me and Kevin and Dean and Bobby, uh, we all wore some fucking awesome shit for the coolest clothing company. Best menswear com- company, um, personally, I know of. Yep. Uh, so we wore a bunch of cool shit. It's on Hype Beast. It's on... Um, fucking, he sent us a bunch of yeah, different publications. And, 
Um, I did a style piece uh, for Esquire. That's online now. Um, I've tweeted about it a bunch. It's on my Instagram. Go read that. Uh, send traffic onto that thing. Make them know I'm special. No. Um, so, yeah, thank you for looking at that and uh, reaching out to me for those of you who have. Um, I also wrote a how-to guide for buying and maintaining your raw denim. It's a satirical guide, just so you know. It's not a boring, regular, like, here's how to do it. Uh, you can find it on denimhunters.com, and I'll put it up on my website as well. But uh, for now, it's on there. I've tweeted about that, and it's on my Instagram, too. So go read that and let me know what you think. Hopefully you like it and you think it's funny. Um, I think that's it, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so this episode, everything you just said, <laughs> uh, she's a very interesting woman. Yeah. She went to Princeton. She talks about her experiences there. Yep. Not like what you would imagine, no. which was pretty cool. No. She's got a cool background. She's very DIY, fucking punk rock, that kind of thing. That a lot of that goes into her philosophy for the store, which yeah. she gets into, which is fucking awesome. I wish more companies could be like that. Yep. Um, then we get into like a bunch of other random, you know, deeper. Who are Luna you? Didn't want the podcast to end, so we just kept yeah. talking. She literally goes, "Is it over? I want it to keep going." So then we went another hour. <laughs> she fucking pretty much started interviewing us. Yeah. A lot of sex talk. Yeah, I mean, so. Stick around for that if you want to know what what uh, what our sexual histories. I guess yeah, yeah. In, in some ways, we don't go like too into it, but um, but yeah, we talk about like the you know being happy and like living your life on a day to day level. Like a, it was it's interesting. It was fun. It was good. Uh, so it's a long one, but uh, you know, break it up in whatever portions you want. It's your life. <laughs> um. But yeah, enjoy this episode. We enjoyed it. She'll be back. Oh, and there's uh, go to keepcompany.com. Yes. To get shoes. Use promo code awesome. You get 20% off shoes for a month, January. 20% off shoes. Their shoes are awesome. I'm wearing a pair right now. I have several pairs. Mm -hmm. I love them. They're comfy. They're cool looking. Uh, Buy their shoes. They're vegan if you're into that buy their shoes yeah 20% off is a that's a good discount you're gonna buy shoes anyway so buy them from someone who's cool who yeah. makes cool shoes keepcompany.com is the website yep. uh, go there look at the stuff and then use the promo code awesome uh, it's good for one month from the airing of this podcast yeah. so one month from the 13th of January uh, day before Valentine's get your Valentine a pair of shoes um, thank you for listening you guys We love you. Bye. Fuck the law, they can eat my dick. That's word of pimp. Word of pimp. Word of pimp. Recording now, <laughs> but that is a good attitude. How like, many people listen to this podcast? Like thousands. ten million, <laughs> like five a day? No, like a few thousand. Uh-oh. Yeah, we have, we have thousands of listeners. <laughs> I intentionally was. I was like, oh, should I Google this and, and listen to some before and prep? And then I was like, nah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like the honesty there. Because <laughs> some people you ask, you're like, yeah, we do a podcast, and like, oh. And you know we want to have them on, and we go. Uh, so you listen to some, like no, it's, I like it. You're like, wait, why did you say it like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the casting and the pod part. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs>
I like your guys' vibe. You're like, you haven't even heard of it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a reluctant adopter, so I don't like to podcast. It just seems it's still newfangled to me. Oh, the concept. (laughs) Yeah, just the concept. You don't listen to any. Except for Serial. Oh, right. Adnandidit.com. So harsh. You think he, I don't think I don't think he did. You know my I don't I only want to talk about this for like ten seconds. I know because we can't get into but the whole serial thing. My yeah. friend Justin had a the the theory that I like the most is both of them did it, and the only way Jay can or the only way Adnan can be like Jay's lying is like he's lying because we didn't put her butt. Is he have to kind of admit to killing her also? Right. That they did it together. Jay just ratted him out first. And the only way Adon could be like, he's lying. We shot her here or killed her. You know, we strangled her outside this, wherever it was. That's, that kind of makes sense to me. That they're both guilty. Yes. The end dot net. Something shady yeah. is happening. I don't it's know. shady. It's he shouldn't shady. have gone to jail. Yeah. That's, I agree with that. Yeah. No matter what, that's my over. That's my. Yeah. Because you don't know. You just don't know if he did or didn't. Yeah. And it's like he shouldn't so have gone to jail. So reasonable doubt. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Down with the system. All right, anyway. <laughs> speaking of the system, you own a business. Yes, I do. You're a, you're a boss. <laughs> yes, You I'm are a boss. boss. I was watching a Henry Ford documentary today, and I was like, Yuna's kind of a Henry Ford. Really? That's so Just cool. Just a small, you know, you're like, you own a business, you employ people, you make a product. It is their job to make it, and then, but you have to yeah. be in charge of all of them. Right. That's gnarly as hell. I guess. It, it seems, seems it. so like... Like, how do you get from just being a regular person to like, I'm going to own a business and it, like people are going to work under me. I'm going to create products. Well, I guess it's just like anything. If you want to be a creative person, you want to make something yeah. exist in the world, whatever it is, whether it's art or whether it's music or whether it's a song or whether it's whatever, you're basically just deciding that you want to do something and you just do it. And the only difference between someone being somebody who does like being a business owner or being a musician or being a comedian or whatever is Mm -hmm. that you actually just do that thing. Like people are always like, Oh, I love to write. I want to be a writer. Oh, okay. Just write something. Yeah. That's it. So (laughs) you want to be a shoe company owner, make a fucking pair of shoes. That's it. So that's what you did is you just sat down one day and you're like, I'm going to make a shoe. Well, for me, I just kind of was like, I really want to have a business and I want to, I, I know like how I want to feel when I have a company and I know what my everyday, what I want my everyday life to generally feel like. Uh-huh. So that's what I kind of based it on. It didn't really have to be shoes. Well, that's interesting. Well, were there other choices that you thought maybe you wanted to do? Like as a business? Yeah. Um, I mean, I could have done apparel, for example, right. or I could have done like a toothpaste or like some kind of personal beauty product, right. personal care product, I guess. You I were ready to take on the people of Crest? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Because it's so hard to find like other toothpaste. There's, there's like that's the, true. the yeah, two big about, ones. Well, that's why there's a good opportunity there. See right. what I'm saying? Like that's why Tom's was like the, well, the one natural toothpaste that like blew up. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There's a reason for that. This is so, very specific and different. Yeah, you know what I mean? So therefore, there's like a lot of room in that market. The reason why I did shoes was because I thought shoes would be a lot more challenging than apparel. I thought everybody was making a t-shirt company and yeah. was going to do this. Mm-hmm. So I'll do shoes because it seems really, really hard to do. Yeah. And so that was appealing to me in like my masochistic Asian <laughs> Korean upbringing. I was like, oh, this is hard. There's not that many people who are going to do it. Well, I can do it. So, so what, I did it. With your masochistic Korean upbringing, mm-hmm. were your parents like, we're upset with you? 
for not being like a lawyer or a doctor or what? No, not my parents are super cool. Okay, but cool. they definitely like you know when that whole Tiger Mom thing came out and everyone's like, yeah, Tiger Moms are so intense, blah blah. blah. I literally was like, I don't get it. Everybody didn't grow up that way. What are you talking about? I don't, <laughs> well, know, I don't know, you know about this Tiger Mom thing. What is that? It's just like super like this woman wrote this book about how she raised her kids or how she was raised. I forget, but. Uh-huh. Um, let me put it to you this way. I was talking to my friend Ray last night, and we were talking about the Silva method. Um, and we were talking about, um, like, Steve, you know, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective yeah. People or whatever. I went to both of those seminars when I was, like, 10. Oh, okay? really? And I was the only child at both of those seminars. <laughs> like, it was all, like, 45-year-old people uh-huh. and me. <laughs> and I'm like there with like my pen and my notepad. My parents like sent me there. Whoa. And they'd be like, like one of the exercises was like, oh, I remember this so clearly. They're like, okay, what's your dream car? I had no fucking idea what my dream car was. I didn't drive. I didn't know anything about <laughs> what, that what, car. Whatever Barbie drive? Yeah, like, basically I don't know. it's like, yeah, whatever car my mom had. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, I don't, that was not something that I had spent any time dreaming about. Right. And I remember I said a Mustang convertible. I have no idea why I said that. I don't even know what a Mustang convertible looked like at that time. Yeah. I barely know now. But um, yeah, you know, I just grew up like super. My parents were really hardcore, but they were really um, very loving, very supportive of um They just wanted to give me every tool possible. And when I was younger, I really, re- you know, resented them and thought they were assholes and like they really pushed me and there was a really fine line between like pushing and being supportive but then by the time I graduated college or whatever now I went to Princeton for undergrad I went to Stanford for graduate school I got my MBA at Stanford so you're lazy whoa I didn't even know I didn't (laughs) even know that you didn't know that (laughs) no I didn't know where you went to college oh yeah I I didn't know you went to college I didn't realize you went to like super giant brain college yeah well I'm you know well yeah clearly but but so you went to Princeton I went to Princeton I got my BA in econ math track and then I graduated from there and I went into marketing like corporate marketing brand consulting trend forecasting youth marketing all that stuff that is everywhere now yeah like I started doing that stuff from like the beginning of that oh wow like um you predate Malcolm Gladwell well, I, won't, I don't. I didn't predate him, but I probably was right around the time that the tipping point came out. Was nice. when I was doing that stuff. That's cool. And um, <clears throat> but my parents were super cool. They they pretty much were like, okay, we did everything we could do for you. Like we sent you to every genius camp possible. <laughs> we <laughs> sent you to art camp. We sent you to orchestra camp. You can speak l- different languages. You can play different you know instruments. We did everything that we could do for you. Now, if you want to be a garbage man, whatever. You know, that was like the thing when you're a little kid. If I was a garbage man, would you be psyched on that? They're yeah. like, we don't care. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do. Like, And that's the difference, I think, between my parents and a lot of other like uh, immigrant parents is that they really weren't trying to live their life through me. They really just were like, okay, we came to this country to give you as much opportunity as possible. Yeah. Here's all the opportunities. Here's all the training. Here's everything. Let's push you to be like the smartest and best version of yourself. And right. if you fuck up, that's on you. Yeah, that's kind of like mine. Which is cool, right? Yeah. Because I feel really lucky about that. I know a lot of, uh, of other Asian kids who grew up who do not have that luxury. So I really like, I'm really grateful to them. Yeah, that. especially with like, because we grew up in like in Southern California. Mm-hmm. So we had like a big Korean population. Like oh, where yeah. we grew up. And there were like a lot of those families were like that. Like yeah. the kids would be like, they almost start crying when they got report cards because yeah. they're like, it's not all A's. Yeah. Like oh. I have one B and I'm like, Jeez, and my parents were the same. They were like immigrants who moved yeah. here. They were like, "We want the best for you." We, you know, um, 
but and they would get mad too but like it wasn't like to that degree where you were living in fear oh yeah it was hardcore yeah how, how i grew up very it's hardcore. Crazy. but it's cool that they were like we gave you everything all the opportunities in the world yeah. now we don't care. just do do whatever makes you happy that's it, cool they were super cool because like when i was in high school so i grew up uh, and I got really into like punk rock, DIY, indie rock, all that stuff in yeah. high school. And um, Where'd you grow up here? No, Baltimore. Oh, wow. Yeah, I grew up East Coast. East Coast and West Coast Asians are definitely different. I think East Coast Asians are like way more hardcore, even more hardcore than what, because there's so many of them here uh-huh. that there's like more of like a strata of different kind of like variety or whatever. But like, where I grew up, it's like everyone's parents were like gnarly. You know what I mean? Like it was so competitive and so hardcore. Because there wasn't many of you out there. Yeah, right. just and I think East Coast is more elitist in general. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, uh, and I think West Coast, like, there's so many, like, there's so many good state schools in California that are like yeah. really quality education, and, and and that's so rent so affordable. But like on East Coast, like how I grew, there's a video of me at five years old being like, I'm going to Princeton on a merit scholarship. Get the fuck out. Yeah, but the thing is, is like when I went to Princeton. <clears throat> And for the record, I hated Princeton. I, <laughs> this is the darkest time of my entire existence. No to this way. Day, when I have experienced gnarly trauma, like the worst shit could happen like, with my business where I'm really like having a huge existential crisis or whatever, full darkness. Uh-huh. And I'll be like on my hands and knees, like literally just begging any higher power to help me. And the thing that always makes me feel better has never, ever failed to make me feel better is I say, I think to myself, at least you're not in college anymore. And I was like, <laughs> fuck yes, you're right. I'm what? I hated it so much. What the fuck happened? <laughs> it's like, the f- by the way, you I've never seen you rock like a Princeton sweatshirt. Like if yeah. I went to fucking yeah, Well, Harvard, now we know why. She hated yeah. it. It was trauma. Well, it's funny. That's what most people say to me because most other people who go to Princeton really, really loved it. And I do have mm. friends who you know I went to school with who are awesome and they had a great experience. I just didn't have that good of an experience. But that's what everyone says. They're like, oh, it's so weird. Every time I meet somebody else who goes to Princeton, I find out that they went to Princeton like within the first five minutes. And me, it's like kind of this weird, it's not a hidden secret. I'm not ashamed of it. I mean, I loved going to Princeton um, to a certain extent in some ways. But I just, my experience there was like very like, uh, I mean, it really shaped me. I mean, it was very like influential in my life, but it was a dark, dark time. Well, can you give like, give us like an, an example of some of the were darkness? just like the people were shitty or? Yeah, well, I came from um, so, I like I said, I got I was super involved in like punk rock and indie rock, and and um, we were playing in bands, and we were, you know, booking shows and like just doing shit and being super creative, and I was like so so stoked. Oh. I'll go into the darkness part in a second, but just to go back to what I was saying was that my parents were, they were super cool because they basically were like, as soon as I got into, um, they always let me do what I wanted to do, but as soon as I got accepted into Princeton, which I got in early, so that was in November, I was like locked in. Yeah. They basically made a deal with me. I was like, okay, if I get into Princeton, like you have to let me be free. I I get to do whatever I want. Yeah. And they were like, Okay, cool. And I got into Princeton and true to their word, like, I mean, I would go to shows in like DC. I would come home at like three in the morning and they were, and I knew it cost them, like it pained them to let me be free like that. But they totally, they let me do it, even though it drove them fucking crazy. So I always like respect them for that because they, they, they did what they said they were going to do. And it was, it was pretty rad. Anyway, that year was fun, but okay. Princeton, why, why did Princeton suck? 
Well, I went there. I think a lot of people go to Princeton or go to an elite academic institution because, like me, they don't even think about it. They've just been trained to do it from a very young age. Right. So it's almost like you're just doing all this thing, all these things like automatically, okay? So I didn't even visit Princeton. I didn't know anything about Princeton except that it was the top school. So for me, there's two options. I was going to go to Harvard or I was going to go to Princeton. That's it. Um, so when I got accepted in Princeton, for whatever reason, my parents thought that, that was like, they had trained me to think that Princeton was like the better undergrad, like Harvard would be better for grad or something. So by the time I just was like, oh, I'm just going to apply. And if I get in, I'm going to go. Like I didn't, I didn't even visit the school. I knew nothing about it. Uh-huh. I get there. I'm all like, and I had heard that they had this awesome creative writing program. I was really into writing. And, uh, also that they had this rad indie rock radio station WPRB which I was very involved in and was one of the few saving graces of Princeton and saved my life oh cool so I go there and I was just so excited you know when you're in high school you're like I can't wait to see like the bigger world and everyone's gonna be so much smarter and more interesting and all this stuff and you and and I'm going to Princeton which is like the future leaders of America oh yeah I go and everyone is these Really, like, most of the people there were, like, very sheltered, very, again, like me, didn't think about it, just were used to achieving. Most of them didn't come from, like, any kind of subculture or counterculture. They they were, they are the elite mainstream, you know? Yeah. And uh, I just think it was, like, really frustrating for me. Um, I had gone, grown up going to, like, a lot of Korean camps and stuff during, in my early teens, which during which time I partied like really hard and also just went out a lot and went to shows a lot. So, you know, when I, when you go there, all those kids are all these nerds who haven't partied like at all. So then they go ape shit and they look (laughs) totally fucking retarded. And you're just like, this sucks is really boring. And, um, you know, and then they're just, everyone was just so uptight and it was like super white and super, it was, you know, pretty conservative, um, again, there are great, this is not speaking for everyone. There are a lot of great people there who I'm, who I'm still friends with and like are awesome, but uh-huh. it just, at least Harvard would have been in a town, you know, Princeton's in the middle of nowhere. You yeah. can't even live on, cam- you can't le- live off campus. You pretty much like almost everyone lives on campus. I Jesus. had, a, I was like able to have a car, but like, uh, for like some of the time I was there, but you had to walk like 30 minutes to get to the parking lot where your car was parked you couldn't there wasn't even a fucking mcdonald's in town there's only a burger king like the whole fucking point of being in college is to like eat a ton of junk food and get wasted you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. like, you know you can't even like hop in your car and like drive to mcdonald's it's so fucking whack i hated well, it how far was it to the nearest like town or city well princeton there is a town princeton is a town yeah <clears throat> but it's like you can get a rolex there but you can't get mcdonald's hash browns you know what i mean like it's like so weird sounds good and like um (laughs) everything's expensive there and you're always you're like linked into these meal plans and then you get linked into these eating clubs when you're a junior senior so it's like yeah it's just all very insular it's all about promoting princeton it's like being at a big summer camp or something and you hang out with prince you don't hang out with like townies i hung out with townies but that was like not very common um you hang out you get your coffee. There is a coffee shop, but most people in town, but most people like got coffee at like the student cafe. You know, it's just all about Princeton, 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 hanging out with other people from Princeton. Right. Super insular. Weird. And that is just like not who I am as a person. I just think like my soul and my personal nature was like direct conflict with 
um, <clears throat> what that school espouses, which is really cool for some people, but just for me it was like really depressing. There was there was a very very like a lot of the people who were kind of more heavy into like indie rock and punk rock had graduated, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and that was hard for me. Like I thought there was going to be more of a scene. I don't know. I just thought it was going to be more. So did you get yourself really involved in that radio station? To I like. So my first year, I was like, I'm going to do. See, I was so optimistic back then. Like, I was so, like, so <laughs> punk, you know? <clears throat> there was this thing that I grew up going to called the Indie Rock Flea Market in Ar- Arlington, Virginia. So I grew mm. up near D.C., so uh, did a lot of, like, te- like was really into, like, Teen Beat, that record label, Discord, all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they had this thing called the Indie Rock Flea Market where you go, there'd be all these record vendors, you buy all your seven inches, whatever. So I'm like, oh, there's nothing going on here at Princeton. I'm going to bring the ro- I'm gonna bring, bring punk rock to Princeton, you yeah. know? Because that was, like, my attitude. And I remember I went to the radio station meeting the first time. And I hope nobody who worked at WPRB listens to this and is bummed at me. But I went to the, PR, the, to the radio station and it was like, you know, I don't know, a lot of the people who were kind of like heavy music, like indie rock people or punk rock people who'd set up shows and stuff, they'd already graduated. So it was kind of like this uh, transitional guard. And I remember I went to this meeting and I was like, okay, guys, like, I'm so stoked. I want to um, organize this big festival and I want to have this radio, f- this uh, <clears throat> record label like Flea Market and it's going to be so sick. It's going to be so awesome. And I thought everyone was going to help me because that's like the community that I came from. And they totally were like, I remember this girl, fucking A, this girl was like, <clears throat> she was well, a senior. I was yeah. a freshman. She was all... It's a really great dream. Uh. Um, I guess maybe if you organize it all, we'll step in and uh, we can maybe like volunteer at the thing, you know? And I was just like, I was so like naively like punk, like the community, uh, like I love every, you know? And I was like, the fuck is this shit? I was so pissed. So then I made it my mission to like, have this festival <laughs> and um, like I remember we booked Modest Mouse it was like right after their first record no it's so way. funny to think of them being like so huge now when like they just came to, hung in my dorm room and <laughs> smoked <laughs> weed and like out. went to like That's Denny's cool. you know <clears throat> and like uh, you know like so nobody fucking helped me pretty much I did that whole thing by myself except Modest Mouse <laughs> except Modest Mouse, Modest Mouse. <laughs> and, but it was cool because I was so isolated it really was this test where it's like okay you want to you practice what you preach if you if you really believe like like i really believe like oh there's nothing here everything sucks i can either do something about it or Uh i can just sink into a deep hole and i'm not the i mean i'm definitely a reveler in the darkness sometimes (laughs) but in general i'm an executor so i booked that festival and i booked a festival like uh, three of the four years that i was that i was there and um yeah so you know, that whole, that's why I always say, people say to me, like, oh, you went to Princeton, blah, blah, The biggest education and the most, like, fundamental thing in my life that, like, influenced me was punk rock and indie rock, for sure. Just because that whole, like, ethos, that whole community is, like, taught me that you pretty much, like, you're saying, oh, how do you start a business? Well, you just do it, you know? Mm-hmm. You want to you want to make shoes. Figure out how to do it, and you just do it. That's what I learned. That you know, it's like the Ramones. It's like any of these bands, like they're not good. They're not doing something so like magically impossible. Like it really demystified all of uh, like all of the whole creative process. Like you can do this. You're just as worthy, and you're just as valid to do anything that you want to do. So if you yeah. want to do it, just shut up and do it. So, so then I, you you moved to L.A. to so, start. Uh, 
to a start company? keep. Yeah, I started that after. Um, so I graduated from Princeton. I worked in New York for. Can we call years. Princeton the darkness? Yeah. <laughs> for the rest of this episode, I reveled in the darkness for four years. <laughs> then I moved to New York, and uh, and I live. I was also New York saved me when I was in college. I went to New York like every weekend. Yeah, and I had a lot of friends up there. And what was cool is a lot of my friends that I grew up with, and I'm still really close to Animal Collective dudes. Uh, my friends, Isaac, my friend Isaac Ramos. All those people would all come and visit me at Princeton, like. Cool. Uh, which was so funny because there's like nothing to fucking do there, you know. But like <laughs> yeah. these people would descend and come to come to Princeton, and we would hang out. So, um, <clears throat> and I lived in New York like pretty much every summer in between college. How did you get become friends with the Animal Collective guys? Um, when I was in high school, I used to go to this record store in Baltimore in Fells Point called Soundgarden. That was like the cool record store. Yeah. And there was a dude who worked there named Jeffrey Alexander, and he uh, got me into like all these different bands or whatever. And he actually introduced me to this kid, Brendan Fowler, who's an artist now. And uh, me and Brendan and Jeffrey started a band. Brendan was in this band, Automine, and he went to high school at Park, which is a private school. I went to public school yeah. um, with a bunch of the Animal Collective dudes. <clears throat> so then I met them all then. We stayed really good friends. Like I, these like early incarnations of that band like played in my house when my parents went out of town. Wow. I did this huge, I had like a big party. Um, where, because I'm Korean, we're Korean, everyone had to take their, we have this white carpet. <laughs> no shoes, yeah. And all these kids from high school would come, like 50, like 50 kids, and they all had to take their shoes off, and it was like our back patio was like covered in cheese. I love You that. had a sock hop. Yeah, we had a sock hop. <laughs> and I remember so we, I was vegan then, and we, but I had no money, you know, because my parents only gave me like limited amount of money. They were like in Korea for like two weeks or whatever. So yeah. me and my best friend at the time, Tara, so <laughs> went to Safeway and we concocted this way to steal all these groceries, which is so fucked now, I realize. And yeah. I apologize to Safeway. But we had this thing where I would have this <laughs> I apologize back. apologize to Safeway. <laughs> Not Princeton. I apologize yeah, to Safeway. Princeton. Yeah. But Safeway, my bad where we would put all this stuff in the backpack and put some stuff in the cart and then I would uh, one of us would go pay for the stuff in the cart while the other one went to get the car uh. with the backpack cuz you know soy milk and shit that was like not easy to get and it was expensive okay <laughs> yeah. so like making all this vegan food was like not easy it's not like here in LA where you like fucking walk into like nut milk you know yeah every corner is nut milk some new nut milk i mean just literally like in silver like there's a guy on a street corner selling raw honey on, that's like, what i'm saying as if it were a lemonade stand yeah exactly. like you just run into that shit here exactly yeah so we stole all these groceries i paid for a small portion came made this huge feast had all the kids from high school this is how this is how punk we were and, my, and brian from animal collective's wife who was his high school sweetheart actually at the time just sent us pictures of this like a year ago he she found these in a box i made the invites for the show i made the paper that the invites what? were on like i took all this like junk mail that my parents always had and like blended it up and I pressed it into like some window screen like that's how we were you know and that's what was fun and that's like how we spent our time we were so like into making shit so when I went to Princeton and it was just all about like achievement and getting the the grades and shit's so fucking boring you know Mm -hmm. so dry I just couldn't I was so like this flame that just wanted to burn and like make shit and consume everything around me and I went to Princeton and it was just so fucking uptight I just couldn't deal with that shit it sucks has anyone that you've 
kept in touch with from Princeton gone on to do anything like you're doing? Like a no. independent kind of free thinking sort of? No. No. Wow. <laughs> I don't think so. Wait, let me think about that. They're all like politicians and lawyers. And no, investors. like one's a movie editor, which uh-huh. is pretty cool. Film That's editor. Pretty cool. Um, like there are some that have like, you know, but uh, like all my roommates, they're all lawyers, which is yeah. awesome. I love, you know what? They help me, you know, lawyers are, you know, it's I need It's great lawyers. to know a lawyer. Yeah. yeah. Like, a good know one a lawyer, is very helpful. Doctor, mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you need. That's like. You're set up. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, no, not really. You know, I'm like the only one, but, and, and, you know, it's a trade off too. It's not like I'm making a ton of money or like being Mm. successful in a very, really traditional way. And that was a hard thing for me to come to terms with too. Um, but that's why I love the business because it really made me force myself to ask the hard questions of like, what's really important, what's worth the trade off and what actually makes you stoked to get up in the morning and keep doing what you're doing. I I mean, I've told Kevin this before. It's like even having like any small business owner knows that the whole what I I call it stoke management. It's all about (laughs) can you manage your stoke? And that applies to anybody doing anything. It's like it's all about energy management. And can you touch back into that stoke? Because if you can't, especially with a small business, it's so fucking overwhelming and gnarly and painful and brutal Mm -hmm. and uh, dark. It can be so dark that if you can't find what makes you psyched about it, then you just, it's impossible yeah. to continue. That's why businesses don't last that long. And That's, I don't blame them for them or judge them for it. Mm, yeah. But the people I know that own businesses that like, uh, that they, they enjoy like owning and running and stuff. Mm-hmm. I never, I never see them stressed out. Yeah. Cause you have to figure it out. That was the biggest thing. The first thing that I really learned mm-hmm. cause I'm somebody type a, obviously like very goal oriented. Uh, <clears throat> I'm so used to being in control of everything because I'm smart, you know? So for me, like, I could see, like, you know, I felt like I was, like, fucking Kwisat Hatterat and Dune. Like, I could just see, like, the whole, like, decision tree of, like, options, like, spread before me. Like, I used to make these insane decision trees when I was, like, trying to figure out, like, what I was going to do about something. Uh Like, I believed you could create a model and, like, quantify everything. Like, that was, like, my thing, you know? And the thing that I realized was you can't do that. The number one the first skill I learned how to do in order to keep have any kind of longevity is learning how to let go of what you don't have control over. Yeah. And um, that's like, you know, that was like a huge thing. And if you can't do that, you'll just consume yourself from that. Especially if you're like a type A. Yeah. That's oh, like a hard thing it. to learn how to do. Oh, it's gnarly. Because you're like, but I want to control it and, and defeat it. Yeah. Like, how can I let it go? Yeah. Because then you, you feel like if you can't defeat that, then you're a failure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But luckily, I'm not like that. So, <laughs> luckily, I'm weirdly, secretly on the inside was always a chill person. <laughs> I had no idea. It's so that's, that's the thing. No, I've, I haven't. I don't know how long I've known you. Five, six, seven years, something like that. No, I've known you since Keep started, which was eight and a half years ago. At the first, I was thinking. I forgot. I almost forgot about the first store location on Hillhurst. Yeah, you were there. Yeah. So that was 2006. Shit. We're fucking old, dude. Yeah, dude. <laughs> but I've always like thought of you as just like, not like a hippie, but just like a mellow, like, that. it was always like, oh, it's rad that you have this business because you didn't ever seem like this like gnarly, like, you didn't seem like a business person in right. a weird way, but you had this, a business. And I always thought shoes just seemed hard to me. I was like, where do you even, what's the first thing you do when you want to make a shoe? That's not, because yeah. everyone was like, let's start a t-shirt company. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. 
but like a shoe i was like where do you even what's step one yeah exactly it's well, like okay i want it to look like this or i want to make this type of shoe or i think with when you make anything the first step is what are you trying to say if you don't have anything to say shut the fuck up right. <laughs> don't do it you know that's the bottom line because a lot of people just like to talk just like they like to make bullshit and that is never going to last. There's also another problem, which was people just sometimes just want to get rich. So it doesn't, they don't care about having something to say. They yeah. just go, well, I'll just copy that other thing. Yeah. And if they can, serve, and if they can make that happen, good for them. That's a skill yeah. in and of itself. I wish yeah. I had that skill. Um, I don't. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be rich right now. But um, <clears throat> yeah, you just have to figure out like what... For me, for us, like the whole thing when we started was like, okay, what do I want the brand to be? Like, what story do I want to tell? And how do I want to make people feel? That's where I started. Then it was like, from a business standpoint, okay, what's, what's, a, what's a, a market that has, what's a market that's an opportunity and what has higher barrier of entry, which will make it less competitive? So I did shoes. But, uh, specifically, when you started, it was, gir- it was girl sneakers. Yeah, it was girl sneakers because there was no... There was nothing cool. There was like cool-ish, but nothing really rad. Yeah, there's no rad women's sneakers company. But once I started, I realized, oh, there's a reason why there's no rad women's sneaker company because women don't buy sneakers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think now it's it would be way more like uh, embraced, but it's definitely more... Women like to buy... When they buy sneakers, they'll buy casual shoes, but they also want to buy like uh, more performance-oriented things. I don't know. It's different. It's a weird market right now. Everything's changing. But... Um, uh, yeah, so we started as women's, and but from the very moment we started, dudes would just flood our inbox, and we're like, we want these shoes. I immediately was like, dude, w- <laughs> god damn it, <laughs> like why I want these? Do you, are you going to have dude sizes? And you were like, we're think you're like we're think it was always like we're thinking of making a girls eleven. What yeah. size are you? <laughs> I'd be like, I'm a nine. Come on, let's do this. You're like, we're, we're thinking about a girls eleven. I'm like, come on, do this. I want these shoes. So well, I mean, so we did. I mean, pretty much from pretty now you're like a on. unisex. Yeah, shoe now company. we're unisex and we're fifty fifty. We definitely sell fifty fifty. You know what's fucked up though is that we're unisex, so that means we have the sizing both men's and women's. And um, and it's the same shoe. Yeah. And working with a lot of wholesalers or people like people can't have a lot of problems with us not differentiating my gender, and it's kind of like shocking to me how much people have a problem with that. Huh. It's like really resist it. They're like, I don't get it. So it's an it's a eight women's, but it's a nine and a half men's. Which size am I? I'm like. Are you at eight women's? Then that's your size. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they, people really, really like it to be split, um, and they because they don't want to think about it. Uh, so it's weird. I, I I didn't think it would be that big of a deal, but it still is a big deal. It's annoying. I mean, are you one of the? Are there other companies like that? Or are you kind of the only one? No, we're the only one. Now <laughs> I know why. <laughs> I was trying to think. I was just now trying to think of sneakers that I see both men and women wearing. Yeah. The Converse All Star, Converse and like Vans, right? Vans yeah. and, uh, and an Adidas Stan Smith, Toms. Yeah. But you buy it in, like, uh, you buy it in men's sizes. Like girls, when they when they order Converse, when yeah. you order a Vans, I'm like, oh, I'm a five and a half in Vans. Do you they know have the Vans has a women's. Do they have a women's section? They have like they the have a women's soles. section, and it's slightly different model. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, but the, like any girl that I know doesn't wear the modified one. Yeah, they wear no. the legit. Yeah, they just one. wear regular. Yeah. 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 Right. 
You're the only one. <laughs> yeah, I'm the only one that refuses to cave, which is probably why I'm the least successful. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're in a weird way. Least you financially are financially successful. You are like you. It's interesting. You've talked about being so into like this punk DIY. Like you are. You're like the minor thread of shoe companies. Yeah. To where you are keeping it super core and like very true to this specific notion, but it does make it harder. It doesn't make it harder. It makes yeah. it harder on you from just a market perspective. Oh, yeah. It totally sucks. And and I've realized that, you know, over the years, you really get to see, like, what um, like what the challenges are and how people react. And, I mean, the bottom line is, like, selling something to people, it's, it's hard when you can't relate to the people that you're selling to. And the problem with shoes is it's not apparel. I can't make 50 shoes and make a living off of that. Yeah. You have to make volume, which is the struggle that we're coming to right now. Um, because we've been around for a while and, and we were really in that machine. We were in a, we were in a bunch of big retailers. Um, we made a lot of shoes. We had to have 20 SKUs a season minimum. Like we did all that stuff and slowly but surely we've kind of been shrinking and trying to get back to like, it's like I said, it's always about touching back to what makes you stoked. And the bottom line is what I love about keep and what I love about having a brand is number one, the most important thing that we have and the most bankable thing that we have is that we're authentic and we've always been authentic and we've always been genuine. So I can never want to like break from that. Number two, the other hard thing when, which is a, which is a legacy of being involved in, in punk rock and, and, indie rock which is funny because adam horovitz and bc boys who's always supported us from like the very beginning i know him from new york and his wife kathleen hannah from bikini co and he used to he was a friend of our friends and he actually used to lend us his give us rides in his minivan when my band had shows and come to brooklyn and pick up all of our equipment and drive us to manhattan for our show which was really fucking sick and really rad of him and that's why i really back um, Adam, because he's always been really supportive of like core punk stuff, which is rad, even though he's huge and whatever. But something that I was just talking to him about when he was in town was it's really this legacy of that era is that you feel really ashamed to be successful or you feel ashamed to sell yourself. Yeah. And it's really hard, like streetwear and sort of and hip hop in that world, like they're so good at hyping themselves. Oh, yeah. Know? And um, I wish that I was better at it. And I've, I've tried because we are tangential to that world, too, you know. And um, I, I really part of me like really likes to hype ourselves and, and whatever. But I always had this kind of like thing, you know, where I, I always wanted to be really subtle. I never wanted to be really obvious. And then I kind of had this like epiphany, <clears throat> which is funny because you think it's really obvious when you hear it. But it was so hard for me to come up with this and articulate it into like a, a very basic pared down concept but I finally realized that the one of the core beliefs and one of the core philosophies of keep is that we believe that objects can transcend being material things so when somebody buys my shoe I don't really care that they're buying it because it's like a limited edition thing or like oh it's going to eBay for 300 bucks that is an awesome part of like certain sneaker culture that's rad I don't give a fuck about that that just doesn't resonate with me What's cool for me is when people come up to me, like I went to Oinkster the other day and we were getting french fries or whatever and the guy, I was with Ashley Thayer and she had a Keep tote bag on and, mm. and the guy was like, oh, sick tote bag. Um, I love Keep. And she's like, oh, she makes it. And I was like, oh yeah, cool. And he was like, yeah, I have a bunch of pairs. I just got married in mine. And he shows me his wedding photo and he's like wearing all white and he's got these white Keep 
<laughs> high tops on. And I was like, cool. that is fucking awesome. And yeah. that's the kind of shit that makes me really stoked and really psyched that we did, that we do this. So once I realized that that, when I look at um, what the things that we make in those terms, then I no longer, it's like this light bulb clicked and I realized I don't feel this weird guilt or weird like shame in like promoting that because that's stupid. I mean, I do think there's a, there's something to specifically keep shoes where like those are probably the shoes a lot of people start a band in. Exactly. Like I know, I can tell you for a fact that when I'm like, when I'm like, let's go make some art. I have a tendency to put on keeps because <laughs> I'm like, these are art driven shoes. Like these are like the friends of mine who are doing real shit. Yeah. Who like we like there is something like like, oh, yeah, Union's got her shoe company and like Ashley's making clothes now and Thayer does Thayer makes the textiles. It's like, no, yeah. no, yeah. the people I know make shit. Yeah. And it's something about that. Like, now let's just go do it ourselves ethos. I definitely feel like it feeds you on a on an energy level, like on a subconscious level or whatever. And um at the same time, it's like not everyone's going to get with that, you know, not all, like I used to say always all the everyone's like all the right people love your shoes. And I'm like, dude, I need all the wrong people to love my <laughs> shoes because yeah. there's not enough of the right people to like make my business sustainable. So that's like always been like a struggle for us. But you know what? We've been here for eight and a half years. So I feel like every time I ever see Kevin, like he's like, how's everything going? I'm like, it's really hard. I don't know if we're going to make <laughs> you it. You literally said the same thing every time I see him. I'm like, how's it going? You're like, dude, just hanging on and just yeah. hanging on, struggling. And I'm like, you're always like still just staying a shoe company. Yeah. And at the same time, I'm like, uh, finally, I'm like, dude, we've been around for fucking forever, way longer than a lot of other brands that when we first started were really like you know, I thought we're way bigger and we're way more established than us. Like, what's a couple examples of that? I mean, like a company like Modern Amusement. Do you remember that company? Oh, I remember them. That yeah. company, yeah. you know, like Fuck. they seemed so big at the time. Yeah. They're gone, you know, or like, Shit, I can't remember. they are. You yeah. know, things like that. Like With that bird thing. That they yeah, yeah Modern thing. Amusement. I had one of those. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I just realized like, oh yeah, to, to keep a business going like this, it's, it's not about the money. Like if it's about the money, I would have closed it a long time ago. It's just, it, but you, the way you survive is that you just want to. And yeah. that's what I'm talking about. The Stoke thing. Like if you, you either have to want to or, and I'm still like very optimistic and I'm still very proactively trying to work towards, um, continuing like profitability and sustainability. I'm not an idiot. I did go to Princeton and I do have an <laughs> yeah. MBA from Stanford. I'm not just fucking around like, you know, being like willy nilly, like let's just bake shit, you know, like you have to be smart about it, but, um, it's just, that's not the main driver, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think on a subconscious, on a psychic level, like people feel that. And I just, for me, it's like I had to step back from everything and just really like pare it down. And I just realized like if people, when they interact with my brand, feel more stoked, more creative, less alone, and on some level, like, happy, then I'm psyched, and I've pretty much, like, done, like, whatever, a really meaningful thing, yeah. more meaningful than if I had stayed in corporate marketing. It's I, like comfort food versus, like, going to the Cheesecake Factory, yeah. where it feels like, you know, very corporate and stale and stiff. It just yeah. feels, it's always yeah. felt There's more authentic feel to me. That way. It just feels more authentic and more just, like, it's made by a person. Like, you don't yeah. look at your shoes and, and picture, like, the weird boardroom 
like setting that you probably that's happens at like vans or nike it's like oh, where totally. they have which rad that that's rad for them but like you don't feel the marketing of your shoes you just like no these are rad i think like um i definitely feel like all of our mistakes and like our um, flaws are really apparent but at the same time it's like I, we're small you know yeah. so i learned to stop apologizing for that though a lot of times people really like they think we're huge and they treat us like a huge company they don't want to pay a lot of money for shoes and it's like dude like i get it i totally understand i'm not even like blaming them but it's mm. also like hey it's we're not we're not nike you know i can't whip up Ten thousand. Know, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. It's, it doesn't work like that. But it, I think what you're talking about too, Kev, is like, you know, a lot of people copied our shoes for a long time, and a lot of people admitted who work there admitted to it. Like I yeah. remember my old sales rep was talking to like the lead uh, head designer at Vans. This was a long time ago. It's probably not the same person anymore. So much turnover there, but. Um, he was like, "Hey man, like, why are you? Why do you keep ripping off my girl? It's so fucked." And the guy was like, "Look, dude, it wasn't me." Yeah. Which I was like, "Wow, uh-huh. like you could have just lied and said no, but yeah. you didn't say you did it, but it's basically like you're saying that you did it." Wow. But when you look at like a like one of those versions of our shoes, it's always like you can tell that they a try to make it different and b like someone was like some sourcing person was like oh this it'll be cheaper if it's like this and yeah. it just they always make it kind of fucked up no it's always just off but you yeah. can always tell like i'm like oh these people look at keep shoes yeah the high tops especially were ripped yeah. off like right away yeah uh, patterns initially too yeah but then like the high top thing was ripped off right away and yeah. i was like oh you just By saw it. lots of people like vans did it yeah. yeah vans would do it with just the top panel of a of a high skate yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I've seen it. A lot of those kind of brands you see at Urban Outfitters that names you don't recognize. Oh do yeah, it. ASOS, um, which is like a huge online thing in the UK. They literally ripped off our shoe to the T. And when wow. my um, UK distributor is like, "What the fuck?" They're like, "Oh, we're sorry. We thought you were a Japanese brand." I'm like, like that how? makes it okay. Yeah, I'm like, how does that? What kind of justification is that? Yeah. It's so fucking weird. Yeah. At the end of the day, though, it's like I don't care, you know. And it's like. Oh, people will be like, uh, it's not that I'm even bummed that Van, and now it's kind of getting to the point where like, you know, now everybody's shoe game has stepped up. Like I'll always give Nike props, even though like the nineties me hates Nike. I love Nike on a lot of levels because there's, Kevin's they're, fuming right now with rage. <laughs> no, I understand. My thing with Nike is super specific. Oh. Yeah. I have super specific issues with Nike too. I wish there's so many of them. I wish I could wear cause they're rad. Yeah. Like Dude, throw your fucking morals and ethics out the window. I've already done that in so many other areas. I'm <laughs> yeah, running no, out I of, you. No, I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. Here's what, uh, this is my thing. Well, the thing with Nike is at least they have put the money into the R&D and they mm. keep making new. They're pushing that. And that's rad. I think it's bullshit how they like. I hate how companies do collaborations or do creative stuff and they use it as a way to like uh, pay for creative in a really cheap way. Mm-hmm. That fucking bums me out. Whatever. I have a lot of issues with that shit. I won't even get into that because that's a well-documented just, you know. Google Ian Mackay and Fugazi and you'll learn everything that I could ever have to say on that. But this is how I feel when those companies um, rip me off. It's not that I even care that they're ripping me off. Have the idea, dude. I can come up with a million motherfucking ideas. Every day I come up with like 20,000 ideas that I don't have the money to do. So go ahead, take it. I don't care. Dave Chappelle once said that... um when it comes to like people stealing material, yeah. for a while, like joke thieves were kind of a problem. Now yeah. with the internet, it's, it's a lot less. Yeah. It's just the proof is right there. 
But he just goes like, man, it's like there's just nothing you can do except keep writing. Yeah. Because those yeah. guys will run out of ideas or they'll get caught stealing. But is, if you know how to write and create and you keep writing, you'll end up winning in the long run. It's also like I don't do it so that I can get credit for it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like that's not the end goal. I mean, it yeah. sucks. But at the same time, that idea came. It was given to me by the fucking great mystery void. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I'm just going to take it and do what I can with it. Whatever, you know. This is what I find disappointing is like I should be ripping you guys off. You know, everyone should be <laughs> right. looking at my shoes and being like, that's a fucking Nike ripoff. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I want because they have billions of dollars and their whole, what they should be doing is just, and, and it's kind of shifted to that now. They're doing a better job of it for sure for like the past five years. But I'm just saying like, I want to be ripping vans off. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, why are they ripping me off? They, I'm just disappointed in them because they have the resources to be creative. Yeah, yeah, they could hire the most creative people in the world. That's what I'm saying. You That's know? what like Di- like you know. But Disney maybe they hi- are hiring creatives. They definitely and those are. Creatives are doing that. But the, they hire. I mean, they stealing. They ideas. hire super creative people, but they could. Those people are still like stealing. I mean, you see it. Yeah, it's the same I mean. thing with Urban Outfitters. They have the money to hire. They have. They could have like the most baller design department. Like yeah, totally. Disney in the fifties hired like salvador dali yeah yeah. yeah like totally. he was like no no anytime someone got famous like andy warhol he was like no no you come work for me you're really creative yeah. like when you have the, he, they understood like you got to spend a lot of money to make it whereas a lot of these companies you're trying to do it on the cheap yeah. yeah and i think a lot of them just don't know how to foster creativity in a corporate setting i mean it's a very different challenge before let's just put it this way like before i used to be so feisty about it so anti like really anti i was so black white you know mm-hmm. and now i'm just kind of like like in the matrix, like there is no spoon. Like I don't even want to be participating in this by being anti. Then I'm therefore participating in a culture of the pro. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't even care. I just don't even, you're the other side of the spectrum. Whereas if you don't, you're not in the spectrum. Yeah. I just want to, I just want to ascend and like, just do my thing. And I don't, you're Switzerland. Yeah. I just don't care. You know what I mean? Like you, you want to do your thing. That's not me. And I, I'm don't want to, I don't want to participate and I don't even care about judging them. They're all people, you know, they're all people trying to do what they're trying to do. Like whatever. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so so nice now. uh, (laughs) (laughs) You're so accepting of like, yeah, of everything. Oh, sick. Root me off and put me out of business. Um, So can you explain, uh, cause on the website, what's Uh the website again? Keepcompany.com. Keep yeah. So on the website in the about us, yeah. it says that you make vegan shoes. Yeah. Wow. Now, you just you actually did the research. Yes. Well, I, do, I I literally walked by your store like the week it opened. I've lived in Los Feliz for like eight or ten years. Oh no way. So I've I've seen the store forever. Oh cool. But thanks and for I've, not supporting. Well, I, there, <laughs> the, a it was women's clothing for a long time, yeah. and then it was like I wear a huge size shoe. <laughs> What are you trying to say? Um, so he wears a giant work. 12. He was like a 12. Yeah. Now I could get the shoes. Do you yeah, make it like a dude? What's the biggest dude size? 12 and a half. Dang. But it runs kind of big, so 13s can wear it too. Okay. Huh. I'm going to own a pair of your shoes. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, the more the Vans version. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the idea of like whenever people a lot of people hear vegan something they yeah. like start boiling with rage because yep. they don't like vegans yeah what no. does vegan shoe mean because that's just plain confusing so this is the thing we um we started off with a terminology cruelty free 
Yeah. And then we flip to vegan because people don't understand cruelty-free. But here's the thing. Let's put it this way. The reason why we are a vegan shoe company mm-hmm. is to be inclusive, not exclusive. So I think I completely am in support of everyone living whatever lifestyle they choose. Yeah. Choose. I don't care. Do you, you know? But for us, when we're making the shoes, the reason why we don't do leather is because when you're making 100,000 pairs of shoes, it's different. I just felt some kind of greater responsibility towards um, the choices we were making as a company in that kind of volume. And um, I just don't, why do I need to make leather shoes? I don't care about leather. Like if I was like a leather expert and it was like my true joy in life, Mm -hmm. then I would make leather shoes. But it's like there's so many it's so easy to to not use animal products in in your shoes. So it's kind of like when we started it, we just wanted to do something that was cool and chill and positive and 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 was conscious about how we were making stuff. Yeah. Um but yeah, the vegan shoe thing is like a turnoff for a lot of people, which is so funny. And um, part of that is because uh you know any kind of like group when as soon as you identify yourself in any way then you're this is what i'm saying about the binary thing right pro and anti pro one zero black white you know once yeah. you identify it's like you're creating a like this barrier and i just really feel like ascending from that like there is no spoon doesn't matter like yeah we don't use animal products we're trying to do something positive yeah. we're just trying to have like a good flow and and sweet vibe and that's it i wonder if it it's not so much that they don't like that your shoes are vegan. It's just they realize theirs aren't. They're like, wait. No, I'm yeah, that's on the thing. animal shoes. And people I- feel guilty wearing our shoes. It's like uh, I know a lot of people who are like, oh, I can't wear Vans because I'm not a skater. I don't skate. Yeah, I mean, I've had that. I've I've had that. I have those problems in my head where I'm like, oh, if I'm if I want like a skate T-shirt and I'm not wearing skate shoes, I feel weird. Yeah, you know what I mean. So that's why I just want to like, I want the vibe of Keep to be more like, oh, we're a we're a positive company that's chill and is about like making things and making people stoked. That's it. Yeah. And so therefore, anytime anyone interacts, it's not like they're they're ref- you know people love to project and like everything's a reflection of themselves. So a lot of times when people see that we're called something then it makes them feel guilty or something and that's retarded. So that's kind of a challenge that we have. I don't really know how to deal with that verbiage. Obviously, <laughs> I haven't updated my website. So I'm working on that. <laughs> thanks for pointing that out. Isaac, to the, Isaac. <laughs> thanks for pointing that out to the, the thousands fun. of people who listen to this podcast. How many, at this point, how many models of shoe do you make? How many shoes? Is it like um, 10? Maybe like, I mean, some we don't make, but some we'll bring back. So we probably did anywhere from like 10 to 14, maybe. 10 to 14. Yeah. What's the, what do you find is the most, I'm always curious to which style of shoes does the best. Um, the Homer, which is the most basic plimsoll this one. This one. That's for people who uh, don't want to think about putting something different on their foot, which I totally right. understand, you know? Yeah. That's like they look at it and they understand what that shoe is and what it's, it's going to look like. It's just a classic sneaker. Yeah, it's just a sneaker, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, and then um, and the Ramos, which was our very first model, which is our mid-top and probably our most signature shoe. Yeah, that's like the keep shoe. Yeah, when people see a Ramos, they think that's keep. Yeah. 
uh, they know that that's key. Where did those names come from, Homer and Ramos? Okay, the Ramos came from my one of my best friends, Isaac Ramos, who actually designed the logo for us. Solid oh, dude. And cool. he's a total solid, uh, foremost expert of all weird cultural things. And, Isaac's a rad guy. Uh, probably one of the few people that I can say really, truly influenced me as a person, as my my aesthetic, my... Like, we just grew up, you know, I've known him since the 90s, and he just really, like, you know, remember, like, graphic design used to be so, like, like, 2D design was, like, so insane. Like, you know, yeah. now you go on Etsy, and there's always, like, some screen-printed, like, real flat No, design. but, like, 90s, didn't like, exist then, in the know? 90s, like, Speak Magazine and David Carson and, like, those, like, it was totally. a crazy exciting time. It just, being a graphic designer was, like, being... It was like co- almost cooler than being an artist or anything. Totally. You were like, no, 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 I'm, I'm an artist, but like I make shit totally. that like everyone can have. It was just like this better yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, it was really, um, really exciting yeah. and fun. And anyway, Isaac was a huge influence on me aesthetically. And that shoe was like very, to me, well, our very first colorway was natural canvas with a red gingham, um, like mustache accent. And yeah. Isaac always used to wear this red gingham bathing ape shirt that I really associated with him. So uh, it just looked like him to me. So that's why we called it the, oh, that's cool. the Ramos. Yeah. And the, the Homer? And the Homer. And the Homer, because that's the most simple classic shoe, we named it after Homer, yeah. the ultimate classic writer. Okay. <laughs> the that's Benton? Great. Benton is the Japanese goddess of water, and that is the boat shoe. Okay. The Shaheen? Shaheen means desert eagle, and that's for the desert boot. <laughs> also, that's cool. Uh, my friend's uncle was named Shaheen. Okay, Penn, Homer, Shaheen. The Nuss. The Nuss. That was named after Jill N U S S. That was named after Jill Nussbaum, another friend of mine, who gave me a a thrift store shoe that had the fold over flap, which oh. is what we based the the Nuss design off of. Right. Um, the Guerra is named after Gigi Guerra, who is like. So um, one of my really close friends who's so amazing, she now works for Target and works on, d- does all the curating for all their clubs and stuff. But she was a longtime writer for Lucky and Jane and YM. And, and she had her own fashion line. She did all the costumes for the uh, David Bowie Nine Inch Nails tour. Cool. She's totally um, like the most insane, awesome, playful and like lively aesthetic sense. Anyway, that's named after her. Um, what else is there? Uh, the Tobin, that's named after the two Tobins of my life, which are my brother, Tobin Kim, and the photographer, Tobin Yelland, who's a legendary He's skate photographer. Legendary dude. Um, See, I love that they all have n- names. The names like mean something. Yeah, they're uh, after yeah. regular folks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're all people, or they're all, there's always like some meaning. Because that to me is like what's the whole fun part. That's the yeah. whole fun part of having business. You can't put like little things like that in everything that you do. What is the fucking point? You know? Well, yeah. How are the plans going for my shoe? The Kev Dog. The Kev <laughs> Dog. The Kev Dog. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> nascent stages, man. <laughs> Coming along. <laughs> Coming along. <laughs> I feel like there's not even reached sketch phase yet. Yeah. Has not reached sketch phase. <laughs> Has not yet. I feel like maybe I'm the first one to mention it. That's cool, though. This is how, this is how all seeds of greatness begin. Right. I mostly wear Homer, so maybe I could just get 
like a, an addition, a special edition of a Homer. The yeah, Homer, you do the that. Homer Christie. Yeah, 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 you could do that. <laughs> this stays Homer a lot. Well, so we have a Ramos that was a, the Jamal Ramos, and yeah. that's because I given Jamal, our friend Jamal, a pair of mm. uh, the Ramoses that were black with a t- pattern on the mustache, and he was he took a <laughs> sharpie or a paint pen and blacked out the whole accent in the back. Yeah, and he was like, I kind of am feeling this, and I was like, okay. So then we made that color with a Jamal, and it was a total hit. I went to art school with Jamal and he did the funniest thing one time they had like this talk where it was like robert williams and like two other artists now robert williams was like the most interesting dude there and so it comes to the question and answer period and all these art school nerds are just asking like the nerdiest questions about like what kind of brushes do you use and like do you like like what's your favorite kind of canvas and jamal just goes yeah dude do you like mini trucks He goes, what do you think of mini trucks? And Robert Williams like doesn't even. He goes, you mean like the kind you may like lower, and like you know, you get like a good looking yeah. set of rims. He's he's like, now I'm an older guy, but you know, so to me, a truck's more of a farming instrument. But if I was a young guy like you, I'd probably get myself like a small vehicle like that. Maybe get a decent set of rims. It'd be a good thing to meet chicks in. And everyone <laughs> literally like turned around and looked at look at Jamal like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? I was like, that was the best shit I've ever seen. Jamal is awesome because he's so chill. So I think a lot of people like. Uh, he like goes he's so low pro which is his style that's that's all the way he is but i have gotten into so many intense conversations with him because he's a very considerate person in the sense that he really considers a lot of things and i feel like that's why i love all my friends is because we go so deep on like the most on any topic like really thought about it and i think that's the thing like with my business or with anything that like people that i know do i think that's the difference is like there is depth there even if you can't see it in like the product or whatever there's just some people think about this stuff like we didn't just fucking like throw it out there throw it out there though i i think that there's a lot of value to just uh you know spontaneity and 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 not thinking things are super precious because that's stupid too (laughs) you know it's always the balance you gotta balance all that stuff there is something to things being fun but i mean you do that too i mean you the puppy shoes and the pizza shoes and the pretzel shoes yeah the pretzel hummers yeah it's fun how many store locations are there just one the los fields one is there uh no now it's on fairfax now we're on fairfax get the fuck out yeah wow Mm mm-hmm um that's cool though yeah it's cool and most of your business is online yeah now it's mostly online yeah yeah which is probably when did that shift start um around 2008 with the recession when uh 90 of the small boutique like we're basically really in small boutiques and independent stores obviously those are stees and those are the people who understand us and are be able to like really be proponents of the brand right um they're all out of business now (laughs) which sucks because they're awesome but pretty much almost all of them went out of business so uh we slowly and steadily went more direct and you know we had we have some like really large retailers who a few who carry us but um It's always like... Like department store type? Well, like Urban Outfitters carries us okay. some seasons. Um, Jack Threads carries us. Sweet. Um, you know, stuff like that, which is great for the visibility. And Jack Threads has always been actually really awesome to us. But, uh, you know, it's just uh, it's hard. All those little... I think now they're coming back. It's finally like starting to plateau and even out. But I'm starting was, to notice little shops showing yeah. up again because there were so many for such a long time. Yeah, and they just got wiped. And that was a yeah. very brutal, brutal um, adjustment and super gnarly. And 
I mean, that was like one of the times when I, that era was one of the times that I was mentioning earlier when I was like on my hands and knees. I remember I was in the park on my hands and knees, like looking up in the sky and being like, dude, I don't know what to do. Like somebody help me. Somebody show me something. I and need it, help. And it was me. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then you walked up. Why are you in the park? Yeah. You don't even live near here. This isn't your park. <laughs> you like, drove to a park to ask God for help. This is not Pan Pacific Which Park. park what would are you doing God here? look down on the most? <laughs> <laughs> Probably Pan Pacific. Let's go there. <laughs> Sick. I like that you guys are laughing at my crisis. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's in the past. You've, yeah, you've overcome I remember it. that. I remember during that time when everything was closing and everyone was going out of business, always being like, how is Keep still going because everything is closing yeah i was really i was just hard. surprised because like everyone i knew cool, was then. like their thing was ending like yeah. oh we can't really do it anymore like this brand that brand everything went away and i just remember like man i, I was always just impressed that you weathered that storm i mean you weathered the worst recession in close to 100 years yeah it was gnarly i mean and i don't know you know who knows we might still close at any like i said we could close at any time <laughs> But I think that we're lucky, actually, the timing of that happened kind of early. The first two years of Keep, we really blew up really fast, and it was awesome. And if we had had, like, two more years of that, I think we would have gotten really, um, we would have. You would have overgrown. We would have overgrown, and we would have been fucked. But yeah. we were just young enough where it was like, oh, shit, we're fucked. Pull back, pull back, pull back. And um, also, it's like, I'm a survivor. Like, we don't, I don't have pride, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm not going to take out my guard. Like, let's move into a smaller space let's just cut it down you know cut it Mm -hmm. all everyone who works for me we all do like 10 jobs like no everybody is multi-faceted and super versatile yeah if you only can do one thing you can't work for me because you just can't we can't afford to have somebody like that that's a luxury you know um and definitely i feel like some things are like suffer for it like i could i wish i could have like the ultimate shoe designer you know work right. for me and like just dedicate all their time on that but we don't Do you, are you how active are you with like like social media and how has that changed the business your business um well we're pretty active with it and uh, i think it's just changed because now it's like real it's such a part of everything if you don't do that yeah. You're pretty much nothing, you know? You have to have a social media presence. Um, so that's been interesting. I think that makes us be able to engage more with people, but I don't know. We're not that good at it. We should be better at it. I mean, we're very active. Like, we're on it all the time, but I don't know how right. to make us have, like, 500,000 followers. I wish I did. <laughs> Maybe this podcast will help us. <laughs> at Keep Company. There you Do go. you have uh, people, Instagram. like... What is, oh, importantly, what's your Instagram? Is the same thing? Yeah, at Keep Company. Keep Company? Uh-huh. Okay. It's a good Instagram. Thanks. I like my feed. <laughs> I, sometimes I look at our grid and I'm like, we're the best yeah. feed on Instagram. We'll po- when <laughs> we post our, when we post our uh, the thing for the episode, it'll be we'll post it on each of our Instagrams with Sick. your. Do you post company. like some of the pictures you've posted there are like people wearing their shoes? Are those things people submit to you, or is that like friends of yours? Um, both. It's both. a lot of times we re- we regram people, you know, yeah. who who just wear it. Sometimes they're my friends. A lot of times people just email us shit or like, I love that. I love it when people post shit and then we get to regram. So cool. I like seeing people wearing my shoes. It's really like gratifying and awesome. Yeah. It's a cool thing. I like the one today of the girl skateboarding. (coughs) There's a girl skateboarding? In Keeps, yeah. Oh, I didn't see that yet. (laughs) (laughs) I was busy coming over here, okay? (laughs) What's your favorite one you've seen so far of someone wearing? Um, The wedding one is cool. 
Yeah, the wedding That's one really was really cool dope. One. There's actually been several wedding ones, which are really awesome. Wow. Somebody just went to the Grand Canyon and had their like feet hanging over like a cliff, and like you'd see the whole Grand Canyon. That's, That's good. fucking awesome. That's good. Another person was like in India or something and was riding an elephant, and they had the feet like on the elephant head that was sick. wow yes yeah, so Kristen cool stewart ones. from twilight oh yeah that was epic <laughs> wow. so i'm a huge ya literature fan so when i saw somebody texted me was like Kristen stewart's wearing your shoes this is right uh-huh. when she was in the runaway so this is an early twilight z- zone <laughs> i lost it i was so pumped <laughs> so pumped um yeah. do you like divergent is that a good series um i like the books i didn't watch the movies but Divergent is uh, started out as fan fiction for Hunger Games. It's very oh, much for like, real? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty good. You know, it's definitely readable. Um, no Hunger Games. You know, Hunger See, Games. I got, I, like, I tried to read the Hunger Games, and I got so fucking bored so fast. Like Harry Potter, I burned through that entire series. Yeah, I, I read Harry. every fucking one in like a day. Harry is the man. But I'm Hunger to, Games. I'm like about to start good. another Harry Potter mar- movie marathon. I can feel it. Ooh, yeah, me too. I just rewatched Goblet of Fire, and me and Ray were like, "Damn, we should watch five, uh, five, six, seven, and eight right now." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the other thing is, I mean, this just reminds me of Ray because uh, my homie Ray does hamburgerize that photo magazine. Yeah. he's somebody that I really talk a lot about having a small business and just surviving. He's been doing it for 14 years. Yeah, hamburgerize has been around for a while. Yeah, this guy Ray yeah. Potus, he's rad. And like pretty much like kind of the kings of like the zine game, which is now like popular and like had a resurgence and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it's that longevity, you it's know. Like you, and when, you and I went the into the hundreds, <laughs> and the hundreds now had like a zine rack. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah, you know what I mean. Wow. Like that's kind of like it's so crazy. Yeah. But um, yeah, we talk a lot about just like existence and and doing what we're doing and being positive and not not that's what's so cool about having a small business or just doing anything. I say small business, but it could be being an artist. It could be being in a band, anything, anything creative, anything that you're putting yourself out there. It's constantly an opportunity for you to like face being afraid of shit Yeah, because it's so, it can be so ruled by fear. And when you are constantly like approached by that question or like by that issue, it affects your whole life if you're able to like push past that. So I feel like I'm a significantly happier person like, I think I definitely could have stayed in New York and stayed working. I made five times as much money as I, at 23 than I do now. Five wow. times. That's a lot of money. I mean. Even adjusted for inflation? Yeah, that's not a lot of money because I don't make a lot of money now. So right. it's really sad. But comparatively, you know. Yeah. Like, when I was 23, I worked on this Tylenol marketing campaign that had, like, all these artists and skaters and we helped fund the autumn skate bowl and all this stuff. Anyway, that won the gold FE award, which is like the biggest market wow. award. I was 23 when I ran that. Cool. So, I bought, I had some of that stuff. Yeah. They, there was like zines. There yeah. was like a S3D Espo zine. Yeah. About what ad agency I had the Espo zine. Huh? What ad agency did you work I for? I worked for this woman named Faith Popcorn. He's the first and foremost futurist. She was the first person to really be a trend forecaster uh-huh. and uh, her company brain reserve. And she, for some reason, always loved me, always supported me, always could see like what like value I would bring. I started as an intern. I interned for her when I was in college. And she just always had my back. And that's the only reason. Like when that Tylenol thing happened, that pitch meeting happened. Of course, there's a whole bunch of pitches, but the final contract for that was like me and her and the CEO of 
McNeil Pharmaceuticals, which is insane. I was 23. Like, yeah. Who the fuck does that? You know, and we got some like whatever big ass contract out of that. And it was just so awesome to like be even given that recognition or that opportunity to take that responsibility and like to run with it and yeah. um, obviously like I had senior consultants who like worked on the thing for me but like the creative all of that direction really came um, you know they really let me be free with it and that was awesome so I could have continued doing all that stuff because all that early stuff led to like what marketing is now you know it's very common in marketing right. but I know that if I'd stayed there I would be I would just not be as happy or cool dude i like love my <laughs> yeah. life so you, much better you want yeah you want it on your own terms yeah and i just yeah. i just think like it's so easy to get caught up in like your ego or just so you're just doing things that come to you doing things that just come easy to you like there's one thing about going with the flow and like following your path of energy or whatever wherever it's supposed to be but uh, you know it's also like when you just do shit that like is super easy this is not very challenging yeah I don't know. I agree with that. No, I'm getting <laughs> maudlin. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I can really get self-helpy with you guys. <laughs> Ask me for advice. I'm really good at it. This is what you and I do when I go to the store. I know. So we won't, we also, you just talk to me about dudes. Yeah, that's fun too. <laughs> I wanted to start a um, love column called Dr. T Love, Dr. Tough Love, <laughs> where people would write me Asking yeah. me their love questions and I would just straight up. Why don't you do it? it? <laughs> yeah, I should. Are you really good with like relationship advice or just advice in general? You feel? I think like uh, advice in general. Okay. <laughs> do you have any advice questions you want to ask, Kevin? <laughs> I mean, like, no. I'm on such a, I'm on such a therapeutic path all the time. It's like, where do we even start? <laughs> do you make New Year's resolutions or you no. want you don't do that? You know why? Because every single day I try to live my life uh doing what makes me happy, which or not even what makes me happy, but in a way that uh is the least restrictive to like the energy that I feel running through me. Yeah. Therefore um I realize like uh like before I used to love my birthday, I was like, "Oh, this is my day. I could do whatever yeah. I want." <laughs> and like recently, it would be my birthday, and I'm like, "Oh, I already I'm doing exactly what I do every single day." And I was so stoked about that. It's like I don't I don't need I I love rituals. I think rituals and ceremonies is awesome. But mm. New Year's resolutions, like I already am uh, every single day. I try to do what I think is the best. Live my life the best way possible. So, so what you're trying to tell our listeners is make every day your birthday. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Be celebratory about it, dude. <laughs> Enjoy your life. I think the other thing is, is this was something that was really hard for me because I was so harsh on myself. I was definitely the kind of person who I would like achieve something and then I would literally like forget about it. I never cared about anything that I did. I was always going to the next thing. What's next? What's next? And um, uh, I never like appreciated any of the work that I did. I always, you know, I was just always so hungry for the next thing. And like if somebody was being whack, you know, I'd be like, fuck that dude. That dude's being so whack. And I was like, oh, uh, why do you, why are you so harsh about that? Cause, and I would say, well, I, I live my life this way. Like I, I judge him according to the way I would judge myself, you know? Yeah. And then I was kind of like thinking about that a lot and I realized like, oh, once I started being like way cooler to myself, like less, less harsh mm-hmm. to myself and being more appreciative of like what I have and what I've done, it made me so much more room in my life to be like way more chill to other people and like, why do I fucking care what they're doing? Good for them, man. Everyone's trying to do their thing. My dad always said this to me when I was growing up. 
he's like i really and he went through gnarly shit with the korean war all this stuff my dad's awesome he's like next level like dalai lama type dude my dad was always like everyone i believe that everyone is is doing the best that they can given like the condition the circumstances that they're in and just let them do their thing and i was always like no fuck that like they should you know they should not be whack they should do this blah blah blah. what about serial killers yeah, I mean, but why is well, that's a that's a pathology? You know what I mean? Yeah. Why are they? Act- of course, you should try and like whatever. Not kill you shouldn't a lot be of fucked. Yeah, you shouldn't <laughs> yeah. be a horrible right, lunatic. Right, right. But there's also like you know people people do things. We think of our existences like we are a solid object, and if the whole world fell apart, we would still exist. Okay, uh-huh. we think of ourselves as a as an object that is, exists, right? But we're not. Our entire existence is a series of events. Events, ha- you know, the sperm, your dad had to fuck your mom, the sperm <laughs> had to hit the egg. You know, every, every little thing ha- are, is a series of events. That's, it's our entire, that's what we are. That's our existence, right? right. An event by nature involves infinite, everything. yeah, everything. Yeah. So we're completely connected to everything around us. So it's just like, so when a guy's an asshole, yeah, he's an asshole and he's fucked up and certainly he should be judged for that and whatever. But at the same time, like, that's all a reflection of, like, a gr- broader forces, you know what I mean? Yeah, what could have happened to him that day that led him to ha- act like that at that moment and then totally. part of it is your reaction to No it. one's an asshole in a vacuum. It just doesn't work that way. Totally. And if you think about it, too, also, like, our existences are just these, this series of events all the things that have happened in the past is all based on our notion of memory, you know, and we reconstruct everything and we fill in holes for everything. So there is also this like sort of, there is no absolute to our existence, you know what I mean? Cause it's not recorded by some giant computer that you can play back and see all the little things, you know what I mean? Like we have different focuses on different things. Right. How I remember how, in an hour from now, how I remember how you are being and how you remember I'm being you being. Great. Yeah, it's going to be totally different. Do you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean, though? Yeah. So it's like. Uh, yeah, I know. agree. I don't know. See, I, this is what I'm saying. The way you talk, you sound like like a transcendental. You sound like you are very. Who into just hangs Buddhism. out in a bookstore, but you have a shoe company. That's what I like so much about your company. Is most people that like are into this kind of thinking and examination don't fucking do anything. They just sit and examine all day long, and they get almost bogged down by how infinite the amount of infinite time you can spend just like examining well, your own existence. They just don't seem like they run businesses, yeah, because they're too busy like you know tending community gardens for a living or like right. you know teaching or something like that. Or you found that balance where yeah. you're able. You to run like, a for-profit business and you're very spiritual and high-minded about it, which I read is it for, cool for very little. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. I mean, it, I, yeah. again, it's like your upbringing and just your nature. Yeah. You know, I'm an active person. I like to make stuff and I like to like exist, you know? So I like to be, I'm, I like to do things. Not everyone likes to do things. Here's the thing. If you don't like to do things, sick, don't do it. You know, think, do, you know, ruminate, be chill. That's awesome. If you like to do things and you don't do things and you just sit complaining about not doing things or feeling frustrated with yourself. You mean the internet? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that's on you. You know what I mean? Like you're in control of your life. Like I think a lot of times people feel very stuck, you know, and that's because uh, 
something that my dad also talks to me about is like they're very really in a problem solving and this is something that I really relate to and I came to terms with you get in this problem solving mode where you're just like there's a problem you solve the problem you move to the next problem you solve the next problem and it makes you feel like you are being productive and active because you're solving a problem yeah. but you're just going from one thing to the other so you're like in a rocking chair you know like somebody like me back in the day I used to love like fixing my boyfriend's problems or fixing my friend's problems. I mean, look at me still. I'm like, oh, send me your love problems. I'll tell you the answer. You know, because there is a sense of being, um, having a meaning in your life of doing something. But if you want to be a fundamentally creative person, that's not creative. That's simply tossing the energy back and forth. You're not going anywhere. You have to stand up from that from that rocking chair and simply like, and I used to say to my dad, well, I don't know, it's so hard. He's like, it's not hard. You just flip the switch. Then, because you have to stop seeing things that are problems as problems. And once you start seeing them as opportunities or variables, opportunity to be creative, opportunity to like extend your energy, then you get rid of that fear element, you get rid of that reactionary element, and then you actually can st- start being free and like do things. Yeah. I, I think that's the hard thing is for some people it's hard to do stuff and I get it too like I have been a procrastinator there are a lot of shit still in my life that I want to do that I have not done and, and I wish like I could have like zero resistance you know there's so much <clears throat> resistance in us between our mind and speaking our body speaking of self-help and this exact thing mm-hmm. there's a great book called The War of Art that talks about that Whoa, exact thing interesting it's super good that's and it cool. talks about like procrastination and it uses the phrases resistance yeah. as opposed to like laziness or procrastination because those are very negative connotations. Yeah. So they say stuff like, they help you like, uh, he, the, uh, the author, helps you like identify things that like that you do when you procrastinate because a lot of times you don't notice you're doing it. Oh, totally. So when you're like, oh, I want to create, I want to write this, an essay on something. Yeah. And you're like, oh, but first I got to repaint my apartment because I've been meaning to do that yeah. for like two years. And then you do that. Yep. And then you're like cleaning out your keyboard with a yep. toothbrush and like all this crazy shit. Or you're like, I've been meaning to hang out with Kevin more. So let's go do that. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, a month has gone by and you haven't sat down to do it. Totally. But it helps you identify fear, yeah. which they call resistance because fear is like, I'm not afraid. I'm a, you know. Yeah. I, that, I think for me, like, because I was such an executor, like my, mm-hmm. if you would ask me like four years ago or whatever, oh, you're a fear, fearful person. I'd be like, fuck you. I'm right. like the bravest person you know. Right. I'm not afraid of fucking anything. Yeah. But, but my you're, biggest, you're afraid all the time. My biggest fear was being afraid. Yeah. So everything is based on a reaction to not <clears throat> being afraid. Um, so that was something that I really like worked on and really like thought about and like became a lot more comfortable with being vulnerable and with other people being vulnerable. You know, I had like a real problem with that before. Like I was super harsh about that, you know? And so uh, if you were dating a guy and he cried, would you freak out? It depends on the the context of him crying. (laughs) It definitely depends on the context of him crying. Um, I never, I don't date pussies, so that doesn't yeah. happen. Just kidding. Right. That was a joke. Um, <laughs> we have a lot of pussies that listen uh, to this. So right now they're like, hey, I'm why totally don't you turn joking. this off? <laughs> yeah. I'm totally joking. Okay. Um, it depends on like why they're crying. No, it's, it, also it's like if I love somebody, like uh, I'm a very soft and soft heart. So it's like, I, I don't, I don't, but I had a problem with people being weak. I didn't like people's character being weak. Mm-hmm. And when that, I thought that that weakness affected the people around them, like instead of being sympathetic or compassionate towards that, I was really like, the fuck is your problem? You know? Yeah. Um, but I've like really, uh, 
you know, changed my stance on that or whatnot. I've just become a lot more comfortable with it. But yeah, so, yeah, so much resistance, you know, and like, how do you deal with like, so my, basically, I just feel like we all have this like, what my dad calls the original power, which I think is the thickest term. We all have this original power and we all are part of a broader thing, okay? And my goal in my life is just to try and constantly reduce the resistance all I want to do is amplify that original power and get out of its way and let it do its thing. And yeah. so if I'm just constantly trying to reduce the resistance to that, then I have complete faith that I will lead a meaningful and creative life. And that's pretty much the only thing that I care about is being a good person, making people feel stoked, making myself feel stoked. And, uh, you know, keep as a vehicle for doing that. But, like, everyday interaction is a vehicle for doing that. So Yeah. The original power. See, if every company had like a philosophy and outlook like that, I think at every company there's someone whose job it is to be be that, but then most of the people aren't that person. How great would the world be? I think a lot of companies start that way, but then it it gets bogged down by other things. Because the bottom line becomes more important. Like if if people like, you know, Apple and like all these companies that that are that huge had that philosophy, they'd be like no sweatshops. They'd be like no, none of that. You know I, I definitely mean? think that there's like an era of like a consciousness that's changing on the broader level. And I think that is being like part of business now. I don't think, I think business today is like significantly different than it was back in the I day. I think it definitely is. You know? Yeah. Just because information's easier to access. So now we totally. know what, we know who makes everything now. <laughs> totally. And we know what conditions they live in and we know how much, and we know why. And you know, it's a little more, we're a little, we are more informed. I think also now it's less about companies being defensive about that stuff and now they're looking at it as an opportunity to be like inventive and um, inspirational by being Well, I know there's a t-shirt company that I like and they they make some of the stuff here in America and they make mm-hmm. some stuff in China and the stuff they make in China they're like here's the factory you make it at. We went to it, we looked at this town, we yeah. and they like kind of were like here's this factory where these people work. Yeah. They get paid this much. It's the nicest one, you know, and they're kind of, they, it's, it's more open yeah. as opposed to like, yeah, like I know you all think every Chinese factory is like a slave ship, yeah. but that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's so much more transparency now, which I think is really like inspiring and cool. And, but at the same time, like I can tell you as a business owner, um, some people care about that stuff, but the majority of people do not care. Yeah. People still just care about some, how it looks, how it makes them feel and how much it costs. That's the yeah. bottom line. And you know, that's why I'm saying like every day we could go out of business, but we're doing the best that we can and, and trying to do, uh, be a smart business, um, exist in, in whatever like system that, you know, we're forced to be, or we participate in or choose to participate in. And, you know, whatever, like just try and do it and do it the best that we can in, in a way that's as honest to ourselves as possible, you know? And if we aren't around by the time this podcast airs, <laughs> tomorrow, it's been real, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Who knows what could happen between now Buy and Keep Shoes. I guarantee if you go to their website, you'll find one that you like. Do you like pizza? They have it for you. Do you Keep like company. pretzels? Com, right? They have yeah. it for you. Do you like dogs? They have. Oh, and now you're mad because you love cats. Oh wait, they have those too. Would you, <laughs> you like? Um, high I should have asked you this before we started. Yeah. Is there? Do you ever do like promo code things or do, like if our yeah. listeners were like heard this episode? Could they? Oh go yeah, we should do a promo code. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm sorry to bring that up on air. No. But we won't get specific, but we'll we'll have one. Yeah, yeah, I'll figure that out and okay. I'll tell you and you can post it when you're posting it. Okay, okay, cool. Because, yeah, this uh, this will air tomorrow. High tops, low okay. tops, mid okay, tops cool. of all various colors. They are rad. 
Uh, I have several pairs. One of my proudest achievements is there's a sign in the store that says Kevin gets free keep shoes for life. No way. That's cool. Yeah. No big deal. That's awesome. It's very. It makes me very. I feel really cool when I go in. Yeah. I yeah, use yeah. my calligraphy pen too when I made that. I just wish you had more employees so more people see the sign. <laughs> There's only really the her one, the one one employee. I want like I want you to have so many stores and so many employees of which that sign exists in, so yeah. I can just go to different stores and be like, hey, it's me. We we'll just have our listeners go go to this store in Fairfax <laughs> and take a picture of Kevin's of, of sign of the and sign. then post it on Instagram <laughs> and tag it occasionally awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so then we'll spread the word. Thanks, homie. Thanks for having me. This is really cool. Are yeah. we Should done now? I feel like I want to talk more. <laughs> we can if you want. We have no, there's no rules. It's like we could go as long as we want. We're the keep shoes of podcasts. We can kind of do our own yeah. thing. We do our own fucking thing. <laughs> we really can't. Let's talk about music for a minute. Okay, we talk a lot about talk that about on the show. So are you still into the punk thing or the indie rock thing? Or if you're... I mean, I love music. I mean, right. You did a Dinosaur Junior. Oh yeah, thing. we did a lot of collabs with a lot of people, which has been really cool. So our very first collab was with Animal Collective, which yep. nothing will ever beat that one because those are my those are my fam. I love those dudes. They I have known them since I was sixteen. Wow. They're exactly the same. They're totally pure, rad, awesome. They fucking rule. Those are my those are my bros, and each one of them did, and it was cool because we did the collab with them pretty much like in the height of like their popularity yeah. i mean i'm sure they'll whatever but i had a really awesome time for them so the timing was perfect from a business standpoint and um and like it's all super pure because it's we have such a rich deep history and each one of those dudes did a um, design their own shoe and they each did a solo track which is rare. I mean, AV and Panda Bear do solo stuff, but Geologist yeah. never does solo stuff. And <laughs> Panda Bear's on his fifth fucking solo album. Oh, yeah, and the new record comes out yeah. tomorrow, a.k.a. today. Yeah. The day, uh, <laughs> the day of this. Yeah. The day of this <laughs> podcast is airing, and it's epic. It's such a good record. Um, and But Deacon, is, uh, Deacon and Geologist don't have like a bunch of solo stuff, so they each did a solo track for me. Mm. And... We put it out on a single, just to make it hard. Of course. <laughs> um, that came in limited editions with like the first few hundred uh, shoes that got sold. Cool. And that was just super fun and awesome to me because it's just so pure and so rad. And it, it'll never be that rad. I mean, I shouldn't say that, but it was a really like epic way to start. So we also did a collab with Bonnie Vare. Um, mm-hmm. That happened actually right after they won the Grammy, which is crazy. But they pretty much just came by the store one day, like, and Justin was just like, I was like, oh, you ever want to do a shoe? And he's like, yeah, I know exactly what shoe I want to do. Turns out everybody has the shoe idea, which I <laughs> didn't realize. Um, so that was cool, but I'm not super tight with them. Like, they were just cool dudes, you know? So that was just, that was fun. But everything that we've done has always been really organic and chill and cool. The third one was my personal. I got so stoked on this. Was it Prince? No. <laughs> Though purple isn't. It one. was purple. We did a shoe with Dinosaur Jr. Jay Mass is from Dinosaur Jr. And it came with a purple shoe, of course. He's obsessed with purple. Mm-hmm. That's so funny because when we sent him the shoe, the sample for him to approve, his manager, Brian, who's so awesome. And uh, I have worked, I've, I know a lot of music managers, and this guy is really rad. They don't make them like that. Anyway, he was like, when you send Jay the shoes samples to make sure he opens it 
make sure you use a purple marker. So I had to get my girl. I wasn't there. She had to pack it up and write, you know, Jay Mascus, this is for you, like whatever, and draw all over the box in purple to make sure that he opened it. She's wow. like, I think Brian's joking. I was like, dude, I don't think so. Just get that purple marker out and start like marking it up. Anyway, that came with a seven inch picture disc. Fuck yeah. Of a previously unreleased track of Jay Mascus covering Mazzy Star. Fade into you, Whoa. which he recorded for one of the owners of Sub Pop's wedding, but it, no, nothing ever happened with it. I think it's coming out again, like in a month or two, in a different format. But it was That's that track, cool. and I remember I got the test pressing. I went to my homie Tick's studio and we listened to it. You know, make sure it was all good, and it was so warm and perfect. Like that is a song that you're supposed to listen to on vinyl and yeah. the cracks and the hisses and. Dude, I just remember listening to that and like tears coming to my eyes and being like, this is so sick. Like, this is why you do stuff like this. This is so cool. And it was just like a totally epic moment for me. And I loved it. Anyway, so we did that. We also did a two shoes um, for Tegan and Sarah, uh, twins who were awesome. And they Mm -hmm. actually been wearing keeps for a really long time, um, which is rad. I really always appreciated them like repping us. And uh, so when we approached them to do a shoe, they were like, yeah, sick, totally. And it was awesome. And um, they each designed a different shoe for us. So that was cool. Yeah, so I'm still like involved with basically every single person I know either grew up in indie rock or punk rock or skateboarding or is related somehow. I realized that the other day. I mean, I know some other people, but... (laughs) But they're not as cool, so we won't discuss them. <laughs> just, not, just not as many, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love music. I'm, I still go to a lot of shows, and I still know a lot of people playing music. What was the last show you saw? What was the last show that I went to? Um, oh, on Sunday, I saw Mike Watt play, which was sick as fuck. My friend Martin who started that magazine Giant Robot, which was oh, yeah. hugely seminal to me as an Asian-American growing up. Mm-hmm. He um, uh, and his wife put on this concert series that's a matinee show in Chinatown. Their daughter goes to elementary school to public school in Chinatown, and he puts on these punk shows that are benefits to because they don't have money for music education for her school. Yeah. Um, it's a benefit to raise money for music education. That's awesome. At Castellar Elementary School. It's called Save Music in Chinatown. And I think he does four shows a year. Um, and yeah, this this show was Mike Watt um, from Minutemen. If you guys, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you guys who's That's ever cool. listening doesn't know who Mike Watt is, you should Google that shit. And. Um, Adolescence. I forget who else was playing. Steve Soto, Adolescence. Anyway, he always has like rad punk lineup and it was super sick and it was so cool because like everybody brings their kids. I was there with Isaac and Carrie, the Ramoses and their kids and it's so cool that like their daughter who's like five years old is getting to see Mike Watt play like literally three feet from her face. Yeah. You know, like bouncing up and down on like my lap. It was so epic. I was That's really cool. pumped. Um yeah, so, and, like, Martin and Wendy just keep it so, like, legit and so, like, grassroots and so, they're so awesome. I'm so stoked that that's, like, a part of my life. Like, that's the world that I came up in, and, yeah, it's awesome. What's the most recent new band you've discovered? Well, I have to say that all the new music that I've been listening to is all hip-hop and R&B. Run that's the Jewels, you like that new album? Uh, I don't know that. 
good. It's pretty cool. It's like one of the best albums of the year last year. And like a lot, made a lot of like best albums lists. Really? What's it called? Run the Jewels. Oh, Run the Jewels. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah that good. album's sick. Um, yeah. uh, what is my latest discovery? I don't even know. Genuine. <laughs> That's not my latest. You guys should listen to my every for the past couple of years. I've had. Uh, I've DJed my own birthday party. <laughs> what that consists of is me at a party walking around with one of those um, portable speakers. Yeah. So everywhere I go, the music comes with me. So if I like go outside, the whole party like falls completely silent. <laughs> That's funny. Because people are like, oh, like you should let somebody else. And I'm like, no, You dude. just like strap it to a backpack and you like walk around? I just carry it around with me. I love that. I literally, I'm like, no, dude, I don't want to talk to anybody on my own birthday and all I want to do is listen to my playlist. Like that is literally the requisites for like having a sick party for Are me. you a playlist person or an album person? Uh, it depends on the situation. For a party, I'm going to do playlists. Right, yeah. But in general, I like the experience of an album. You Though people it. don't write things like that anymore, you know? Yeah, no shit. So you use Spotify and stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though it's not good for the industry. But look, the music industry has to know that they're not going to make money selling music anymore, which is completely fucked and lame to think that people slave over this creative shit and, and <laughs> they can't make money off of it. But that's the way that it is, and there's nothing you can do about it. You well, they're just not going to make as much money. They can't make as much money. Exactly. But when they were making it, they were making fucking too much money. That's true. I completely agree with that. Yeah. If you look at the film industry and you look at the music industry, you can see that the film industry has learned how to adapt. Yeah. And the music industry still can't let go of the fact that they're not making the same money that they used to make. Yeah. They're still bloated into those Plus, things. a huge thing with the music industry, as far as adapting goes, is that they abandoned technology. That's what I'm saying. In it's the retarded. 90s, they were like, or even before that, but they were like, we're not involved in technology anymore because we're just making money hand over fist selling records and CDs and yeah. all that stuff. And now like it's now changed suffering. and they're suffering. But then look at people like Beats by Dre. I mean, yeah. totally like revol- the, the thing with music is that now it has to be cross platform. It has to be cross, cross genre and cross like, you know, to be a band, you have to be active on social media. You have to tour. You have to have um, collabs. You have to, to be culturally relevant is now a 360 thing you know and some people aren't into that and i don't blame them that sucks you know but uh, it's a lot of work for no money for long it's like that with fucking comedy you can't just be a stand-up yeah you you can't just be a sketch you got to be you have to do everything you have to have a twitter account you have to be on i mean fine for a minute people thought you did but like you have to do all these different you have to do like seven different things but that's why it comes down to it's like why are you doing what you're doing yeah, you know, oh, you just, it's not going to be how it was. I just finished this biography by uh, about Red Cloud, who is a Sioux warrior chief, I guess, or the head warrior, and the only um, uh, Native American warrior chief dude to successfully wage war against the U.S. Um, government. Like Red Cloud's war was like he fucking. Um, managed to organize and orchestrate military strategy with an incredibly like disparate and diverse band of, of uh, native American tribes and basically got it to the point where like the U S government had to concede to him and do a treaty. He's the only one in the entire 300 plus years of uh, the gradual extermination of our indigenous people in this country to have done that. 
And weird how that doesn't show up in any history textbooks <laughs> yeah, growing up. Yeah. Exactly, which is why <laughs> none they, at all. Which is why they wrote this biography because he's really like faded from history, you know. Yeah. And he was such a fierce warrior, and he was so smart and so analytical. He's just an epic dude and a great statesman, great politician, all these things. Anyway, when he got older, he finally he went to Washington. He finally conceded. And he realized like he knew that the time, the era of his people was over, and he pretty much was like, "I no longer will go to war with the white man." And I just thought about like this dude who was like basically came from this like magical people, magical, fucking awesome like way of life, yeah. and uh, was literally the best he could possibly be killed it literally (laughs) killed many things and rose to the top and did all the stuff and was a leader for his people and still ultimately he could see that his era was over the 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 tide was turning to a different history he's just one small blip in history yeah and he put down his whatever bow and arrow or tomahawk whatever. tomahawk yeah, yeah he used all those things <laughs> that's not being racist i know that he used those things because of the fuck yeah he was an right. actual literally used a tomahawk so he did all this stuff and, and i just thought about that and it's like you know what a fucking red cloud can't understand that the you know history is so much bigger than did just he him. also write like tons of letters to the government all the time asking for things is that one of the things he did i don't know okay I think I just watched that thing, that documentary, The West. Oh, I never saw that. Was that good? I mean, it, it's fascinating, but you just, it's just. Long. White, it, no, it's not that it's even long. It's just, it's just, you know, white people just decimating American yeah, Indians. It was over depressing, and Over dude. and over and just lying to them over and over. Be like, no, no, they give them a treaty. Like, we won't do this. And then they're just like, yeah. Yeah. We're just doing this anyways. The amount of stuff they left they left out of history. Like, have you ever read Lies My Teacher Told Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. They cover so much of what we did to the Indians that yeah. are, is just conveniently left out of all textbooks. And then they go into, like, who makes the textbooks and why and all that stuff. But, like, totally. there's so much Indian massacring we did. But that's so... To bring it back to what we are saying, yeah. is, like, Red Cloud, this dude... Could figure, but the music industry can't realize that shit's changed. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah, they should have like it's it's because it's. I think it's still run by people of a certain age that were like, no, 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 this is how we do it. This is, and it's like, no, man, you literally aren't going to do it like this anymore. Yeah, well, it's it's the money. It's just strictly the money. It's about the money. Yeah, it's the greed it's telling them that like everything will work out. I mean, there- when they were moving from records to CDs, yep. part of the reason they didn't want to do it. All, all the industry heads were because it would cost too much money yeah. to convert all the crates that were in record stores all over the country yeah. from uh, LP to CD. And then they were like, the CD won't last. But they knew nothing about the technology at all. And they just thought it would go away. How awesome is it, though, that of the analog uh, formats to survive, that vinyl the is the one that survived? Bigger than it's been in, in since the early 90s right now. It's pretty 2014, sick. yeah. I saw a cassette, a picture of a cassette tape cool. of a of Metallica's Kill 'Em All, and just like the cover was so small, it looked so, <laughs> so small, but it looked so adorable. I was like, "Am I about to start collecting cassettes?" <laughs> yeah, because it's like the perfect. It's like a baseball card of an album cover you like, or yeah. just an album you like. Like it was the that size of it was so just like so compact and dope. 
Like, no, inside was this little You know what's box. great about that, though, is that cassettes are so fucking cheap. You could have just gotten it for, and then just put it on, like, your No, I'm going to. Yeah, I saw it. a picture of it on the internet, but I'm, there's a <laughs> place to sell cassette in Atwater, and I'm going to go definitely look and see. Oh, what's it called? Um, yeah. Jackknife. Jack knife. Yeah, I'm buying cassettes. That's where I got all my tool cassettes. Just to look at them. Jackknife is awesome. Yeah. It's cool there. Have you listened cards. to... There is... Do you ever listen to John Frusciante's solo stuff ever? Yeah, uh, I listened to it some. My friend Chuck used to play stuff with him. Uh-huh. <coughs> uh It's real interesting. Fru- it's weird. Frusciante's whole, uh, like, where he went is kind of cool. Oh, like the journey he took when yeah, he Yeah, and just the, like, yeah. you know, because he's not part of that group anymore. I mean, I was never... Really I, I always admired him just kept leaving an extremely lucrative job like ah I'm yeah into that's it. what i'm saying it's kind of rad and like the stuff that he does is like pretty experimental totally considering yeah. you know but he put out this album with omar rodriguez lopez from the mars volta oh yeah in like 2007 or eight or whatever and it's just instrumental guitar two of them yeah and it's called the, just their names and that guy got it there at jackknife and it's like this but he's the one who told me about it and he was just like because I went in, I, I go, do you have any like original pressing Mars Volta records? He's like, no, but I have that. And it was that, the, the album with Frusciante. Is and Mars Volta the one that has um, John Theodore on drums? That had, yeah. The first okay. couple albums, yeah. He went to high school with my brother. Oh, wow. I mean, I know John because he's a Baltimore dude. It's, you grew up with like the coolest musicians in the world. It's great. They're not that cool. Just kidding. I mean, as musicians, I don't know about his people. I'm <laughs> no, just kidding. I love John and all the dudes. That I'm I one of those people who never wants to meet the musicians. Oh, I completely love. agree. I yeah. hate anything that I love. I never want to meet the person because they're never going to be as rad as like their yeah. work. It's like keep me the fuck away from my heroes. Yeah, forever for sure. It's so awkward. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Such a bummer. I'm like, really, this guy? <laughs> right. This this girl? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I, want, I remember once I saw the, what's the lead singer from Aerosmith? Steven Tyler. Steven Tyler. And he was Steven Tyler from like top of head just till you got to the shoes. And then he had just the most bummer old dude orthopedic shoes on. And I was like, now I'm not a fan, but imagine wanting to meet Steven Tyler so bad and just yeah. being like, oh no. That's crazy. Or that this picture dude. of um, uh, the dude from The Cure. I can't remember his name. Uh, Robert. So, yeah. Um, there was like a picture early TMZ paparazzi days where it was him getting out of a minivan picking up his kids from soccer yeah. and he wasn't all golfed out but when you see it, you're like wait that's not right he's supposed to the glenn danzig be driving kitty a hearse litter or is, something yeah. glenn danzig <laughs> buying kitty litter from that gelson's yeah. photo is pretty epic yeah pretty also awesome. there's a great one of metallica took they took their wife shopping in beverly hills oh with all the bags and they're and all the standing outside of the louis vuitton store in plaid shorts and like white t-shirts yeah. and flip-flops holding like shopping bags while their wives shop inside and someone like typed the the caption was like savings imprisoning me <laughs> like so good. Yeah. but imagine being a diehard like San Jose yeah, Metallica metal. fan and seeing yeah. that and being like, no. I saw Zach De La Rocha once in Larchmont Village 
walking first of all i'm like what's he doing in larchmont villa he yeah. should be like down with this place whatever and then he gets in like a bmw 7 series i'm like the dream is over see here's i the saw thing. him at cheetahs once and my friend see that's where he should be no but my friend he was with two of two of the whitest white dudes they looked exactly like me and my friend goes oh are those the zabatistas he goes no those two fucking nerds yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you can't win trying to be credible dude you can't. that's yeah. what i'm saying it's like i don't care when people are human like that i think right, that's actually right. very entertaining and awesome and everyone should just chill you know like we can't all be like everyone has this room but what i hate is when you meet someone and you're like that dude sucks yeah yeah well they're just like like bad oh that dude fucked up and that dude was an asshole to my friend or that dude Mm. got my friend pregnant or that girl was a total fucking bitch right that to me sucks and i don't want to like I hate having to interact with that kind of shit. That's always a bummer. Yeah, like yeah. when they're being weird humans, that's hilarious and awesome. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, they're just being human. Yeah, you know, you're, that's just, cool. you're seeing behind the, the character they play. But yeah, when you have like, when all your dreams have come true and you're still a dick to people, yeah, that that's sucks. the fucking worst. I hate hearing that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's such a bummer. I hate that too. I just rather just not know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because I get, like, the way I look at it is, like, I already get everything I want out of these artists. Yeah. So, what the, almost, uh, like, what am I going to be friends with them now? Yeah, it's That's selfish. Weird. It's selfish to want more. Like, oh, I didn't give you, and I almost see it from their perspective, like, oh, I didn't give you enough with the, like, hundreds of hours of enjoyment. Now I got to also make your day. I got to, like, be yeah, hyper totally. nice to you and, like, make this experience special for you. Like, who it's am like I to want so much? It's like entitlement. Where it it's is. like, you're not... Oh, totally. Just because they're an artist, you're not entitled to the, their whole life. It's like you're entitled Dude. to the art they give you when yeah. they choose to give it to you. I yeah. see that a lot with uh, people I know who are successful or whatever. And, like, some of their fans are, like, so gnarly. And I'm like, Dude, who the fuck... Yeah. Like, just... You know what I mean? It's so easy now with the internet to be so harsh and so whatever. Oh, yeah. And it's like, dude, everyone needs to just chill the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Just like the person that, like, if you're a normal person, you think you want to, like, ask someone you admire for something, think of the person that bugs you for shit and how you feel about them. That's what you're about to do to your hero. <laughs> yeah. Be like, hey, can you do this? Like, I, I want to, you want to be this? Like, dude, I see people do that to Ed all the time. Oh, yeah. I, when I went to that show on Friday, were you at that show on Friday? Yeah, but I left, I wasn't there for long so I had to go to the comedy store. Oh, yeah. It was insane. It was insane. It was retarded, but yeah, and Ed's so gracious about it. Ed Templeton is so gracious about it, but. It seems like most, a lot of dudes have the plan of like, well, I'll just get Ed Templeton to be in it. Because yeah. like, he sa- he's so nice. He says yes to so many people. Well, I heard in the beginning of that show, some dude came in, knocked down one of Drea's photos, and like went to attack Ed. Uh, I was true? standing oh. right there when it happened. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he was trying to attack Ed, but he. I don't. Someone tried to steal a photo. Like it was sort of a gnarly situation That's for so like lame. a zine-based photo show in an art gallery. But this dude. I'm not sure if he was trying to rush Ed or that's the, the, the direction he was going to try to get in. But the giant uh, bouncer was having none of it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> grab this kid, don't, grab this kid by the neck and was just like, what the fuck are you doing? And like threw yeah. him out. But Good. like he did get kind of close to Ed before the guy grabbed him. That's gnarly, dude. It was gnarly. It was weird. But he just seemed like he was... Because there was a line to get in. You couldn't get in. Yeah. So I think he just wanted to get in, so he tried to just run in. Uh. He tried to do it twice, and the guy got him out both times. The thing with Ed, too, is like he's such a gracious and giving person of his personality and his self. And like look at his Instagram. Like 
of course, by far and large, by far and large, the the majority of the comments are positive and rad. But there's always so many fucking haters and hecklers and just instigators, and yeah. it's just like, why, you know? And yeah. it's because they want that attention from him, you know. And it's so like, it's so loco, dude. Like Ed's so chill. Like how much more can you take? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, but people just project whatever they think. Like, they don't know he's really chill. They just go, he didn't respond to my Instagram comment. God must be a fucking asshole. And then they just spend the next week bombarding him or whoever. Yeah. With, you're a dick, your works. They all of a sudden hate them now. Yeah. The internet's the worst. It would, that's someone, I once had the opportunity to meet Tom York, and I was like, no. Yeah, no, thank you. If he was lame or if he was, if it just, he was yeah. in a bad mood and wasn't nice to me, I can't. You know what I want to meet? Their next Radiohead album. <laughs> yeah. I'll meet that in my ears. Yeah, for real. I'll do whatever that, you got to do, not around me, and just give me another record, bro. Yeah. I would like to meet that artwork into my brain and soul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty cool with my fans, though. <laughs> no one bothers you. <laughs> no one bothers I don't no have one any. says, fuck you, for no reason at all. I really like that commercial, though, where you were playing the barista. What was When that? you talked to Ozzy. Oh, right. Which that's, one was that? That was in a commercial f- with Ozzy Osbourne. I remember that was my that, favorite what, what was commercial. I think it was for cell phones. Just yeah. for T-Mobile. Oh, okay. black coffee. <laughs> I think about that every time I see you, and I know you. That's so funny. Ozzy was so nice. And dudes on the crew kept going up to him being like, dude, I saw you, 1986. And Ozzy right. was like, I don't remember that show. Was it good? And the guy would be like, yeah. He's like, and he was so, he, Ozzy was like, every time he was like, really? It was good? You had fun? Like, he was stoked. That's but he didn't rad. remember any of the concerts anyone said. That's heavy. So that's the lesson. If you want to meet a celebrity, meet one with severe dementia. Because <laughs> then they'll be like, fuck and he kept yeah, prank, I did. he kept prank calling Sharon because they gave him a working phone, but it wasn't his number. So he thought it was so funny to call <laughs> his wife great. and just hang up on her. I was like, this is adorable. That's, that's great. Cute. He kept being like, she doesn't know the number. He's like, it's probably her assistant. <laughs> he just kept prank calling his wife's assistant. That's hilarious. The Oz. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, if I didn't know you, that would be the thing that I would approach you about. Not any of your other stuff. <laughs> any of your TV, Showtime, blah, blah, blah. Just the one weird, obscure commercial. But the yeah. commercial. <laughs> that and the Taco Bell commercial with the oh, hand yeah. Yeah. rolling with the yeah, homies. Bro. Oh, bro. dude, I love those commercials. <laughs> cool. I can't tell you how many times I'll be watching TV and it'll come on and I'll be like, it's Kevin. I get so hyped. Those yeah. are my two faves of, of your oof. <laughs> can you highlight this in imdb pro i think you find them i don't know the commercials aren't on imdb pro that's depressing <laughs> i love commercials sometimes you can find them online cool that one would still be online that yeah one? no some guy posted it after we made fun of it oh did he, yeah, he tweeted he was like he literally just like found it like it takes all of it it takes no time i didn't know that there's these sites that just kind of they're almost like advertising sites and that you can search commercials. Oh, wow. I think Daily Motion might have... You could find track stuff down that way, but you yeah. can find almost every commercial anyone's ever been in. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I'd like to see some of those old Got Milk ones. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of good ones back then. Yeah, like the Aaron Burr one. That dude. Yeah, that one. Aaron Burr. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. That one's a classic. That guy must have made a fortune. Made a lot of money, I bet. Yeah, because you just... Anywhere you turn, that commercial was on. I still see that dude at commercial auditions, though. No He's way. He's still around. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's real out in them streets. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, this, this podcast really wound down. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know. They all tend to. Uh, is that what happens? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know how we switch from music to commercials. When we were talking about music, it was still Fan like, people. boom. But that happens. Fan, fans. I don't have any fans, but... Oh, you know, I did get... A, I found a fan letter. My, I've gotten two fan letters in my life. Mm-hmm. One was from a dude in prison who wrote it to WPRB when I was a, a DJ on the radio station and thanked me for playing... Introducing him to like June of 44 or some whatever Louisville post-rock band. Uh-huh. That was sick. And I found that when I went home for Christmas. I don't even know why I'm telling you this story. This is how the <laughs> That's podcast... That's an interesting story. This, this is how I know the podcast should be over. <laughs> You're the one who wanted to keep going. I know. Why? why like, I want to keep talking. edit me. Fuck. <laughs> and then you're like, God, I only had five minutes left in me. Sorry. <laughs> uh, it's all right. So what was the second fan letter? The second fan letter was uh, when I was on the cover of Ink Magazine for 30 on 30 cool cool whatever 30 under 30 yeah. basically uh-huh. some dude wrote me a letter basically wait ink or inked ink <laughs> magazine yeah. inc like oh, the okay, business okay. magazine for a minute i'm like are you covered in tattoos or something <laughs> no. that, like, i only we have one tattoo that isaac ramos gave me of what um it's of a pyramid and a diamond and they're like the the diamond's point of the diamond is meeting the pyramid the and point has, like, of the pyramid yeah it's okay. like a star and a uh, crescent moon basically isaac is somebody that i learned all about tattoos from because he has insane tattoos and he made the sick zine he was doing like a tattoo apprenticeship and he made this awesome zine of all his flash and i remember i was looking through the zine one day and i was like oh pyramid diamond this is sick he's like yeah that image came to me in a dream i was like sick <sighs> so then when his brother who i'm also friends with his brother turned 30 and his br- his brother's birthday is like four days away from mine i was they were all living together in Philadelphia. I went to go visit them, and Isaac gave me and his brother the same tattoo. Wow. In the same place. Oh, he tattooed it on you? Yeah. Oh, I didn't wow. know Isaac tattoos. Yeah. Is he a good portrait artist? No. His, his, his illustration style is very like childlike and kind mm. of janky and fucked, and it's awesome. Yeah. So the only tattoo I have is like really kind of like not in perspective and kind of super amateur and fucked up looking. It's mm. awesome. I love it. That's cool, though. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, whatever. That's only that. Are you ready to end now? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I don't know. It's your call. You wanted to keep going. Like, right. I don't know. Should we bring it back up? I feel like we should end on a positive note. No, I'm just talking about stupid fucking tattoo. I don't know. Tell us something funny. You guys are the fucking comedians. No, I like. Well, I, I much more prefer watching you try to figure out a way to end positive <laughs> and judging your own journey at the end. Like, dad, man, I let this thing fucking die. <laughs> yeah, it's much more interesting to watch. Yeah, don't you be give like, up. Wait, am I done or not? I can't yeah. decide. God there, damn it. There's no giving up. Plus, there's no way to end. Like podcasts have no beginning or end. There's no like right time. There's no like. There's definitely a beginning, dude. There's what? There's only a beginning. We ju- did you rem- remember how we started? We just started talking about whatever we were talking about. We did. Yeah, can you remember? You kind of like prefaced it and you asked me some questions. So that sounded very like beginning like to me. No, we talked about something before because I was like, "Is there anything you don't want to talk about?" And I'm like, "And I'm starting now." And it was just like a uh, continuation of. Don't a you guys have like a, a fi- finale, like zinger question? Shouldn't you have like a sick closing question? No, not really, because we don't we don't have a lot of guests on, and when we do, we don't want it to be like super interview style, because then we can't like we got into so much random stuff, and that's so fun. Yeah, it's good to riff. Yeah, all like your Princeton stuff. 
all the the yeah. and all that the music stuff the we darkness. talked about at the end. Yeah, the, the darkness. dark the darkness, darkness. institution. <laughs> The darkness. Um, the darkness. Okay, well, it is a new year, so you can leave us maybe with what your company has in store. Uh, I hate that. See, that's what I mean. That's <laughs> what. That's why we don't ask stock yeah. questions so like that. So where are you headed? Because like, it's like, what? fucking, no. I hear this all the time. You're going to continue your journey, and that's what is yeah. in store. Wow, that sounded so white guy self-help. You know what? What, what should Redo. we do? Because you have a lot of like random cool interests. <laughs> oh, do I? Sick. You don't even know me. You just picked up on that. That's awesome. Just from, I'm very perceptive. And from what we've been talking about for the last almost two hours, what is just something cool that you think people should get into or do or read or watch or listen to? What do I think is something cool that people should do? Spend more time by themselves. That's an interesting one. And do what? Learn how to be comfortable. This is what I think is the most important thing that anyone could ever do. Which is a, and it's a constant, it's an active thing. It's not like you do it and you cross it off your list. You constantly have to be doing it. Is to figure out, really concentrate and figure out on what if you were doing in that moment, in that day. Just do it by the day. That would make you stoked and make you happy. Like, what do you want, actually want to do? Because a lot of people... What I realized for myself is that I completely had lost touch with understanding what that was. So if I was like, oh, what do you want to do today? I'd pick some things, but it would always be in the context of like, well, I want to relax today because tomorrow I have to work, you know, or because yeah. there's always like, oh, but I just mean like in general, like uh, instead of what you want to do that has that is not a reaction to something like that you're bummed on or whatever, but literally like if you had infinite money no, don't do that because that's just like. That's if there was no tomorrow, you're saying. Yeah, like what? what would you just do like today? what? Yeah. On, but on like a basic, like daily, everyday thing, like that's a plausible and feasible thing, like a regular thing, not like oh, I'm gonna fucking, you know, go to Paris tomorrow or something. Right, people right. even want to go to France anymore. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> so heavy over there. Yeah. But um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Is like to figure out like how would if you, ha- like how would you spend your day? Like, figure that out. Yeah. I if there were like, no schedules and responsibilities yeah. and all these different things, how, what would you just do yeah. naturally? And a lot of people are like, oh, well, I would just like veg because it'd be so... Bur-. Yeah, but so after you're done that whole veg time and you're like out of your like burnout zone, you uh-huh. know, of like recovering from your daily like chore of living, you know? Yeah. What would you do? Like, I've had a do? similar re- epiphany or realization or whatever where like that has that kind of um experience or like journey through a day has overtaken that um desire to like go out and like get laid and stuff yeah. that you would do in like your 20s yeah like i am way more i will sit there sometimes and i go okay would i rather sit home and read this book or yeah. listen to this album yes. or write something yes over going out and trying to sleep with this girl like spend the four or five hours like let's hang out here go to your place all for a maybe and i i find myself doing the first thing more like doing whatever x is right because it's just more interesting and i will like gain something it's like a new experience as we're like try and go out and get laid there's nothing new about that anymore. Yeah. It's like you've done it so much that it just becomes a have thing you, that you... Have you, Nick? Right. Um, but like enough... I, okay. Um, I've had sex three times. So, no. Um, but it becomes like... Uh, 
it becomes boring. You don't gain anything new. Yeah. You don't learn anything. And you yeah. don't feel like you're moving forward in any way. So like totally. I do that every single day with something similar where I go, I could go do this, but have I done that already? Yeah. Can I do something new and different? Yeah. Or that's a little bit more interesting that will like teach me even a little bit more about myself and my life. And will I feel better for it? Or can I just go do the thing I just finished doing? Whether it's go out with this girl yeah. or like, you know, watch this movie again or veg out on TV yeah. or, or whatever. Well, they say sexual energy and creative energy is the same. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I've heard that. I think, I mean, they help each other, I think. I think, yeah. I definitely think they're synchronized. There's like I, heard a lot other, I heard a lot of people say like, if I withhold myself from like having sex or even like jerking off or something like that, I'm more creative. Ugh, I like don't people think say that, that they link them. Right, yeah, yeah. Barf. All I have to say about that is barf. Yeah. So how are you saying they're the same? Just like, I mean, think about it. The drive to have sex mm-hmm. is the drive to create something. Even though you don't want to get preg- get a girl pregnant on a conscious level or whatever in today's modern era. Yeah. The the fundamental deep unconscious drive is to create a life on like a just a primal animal level yeah, it's it's the most primal creative urge within you I like, it, i'm like yeah isn't that sick though that like every day especially if you're a dude every day you want to fuck somebody <laughs> that means every day you have a desire to be creative just think about if you apply that to like something besides sex or in addition to sex, preferably. <laughs> I don't, I'm not one of those people who believes in like switching, like one or the other. Unless you're like a boxer or like a warrior fighter, that makes sense to me. Like withhold that chi flow, you know. Right. And right. you definitely don't want to be boning so much that you're like like leaking chi out and you have no energy for yourself because that sucks too. Yeah. You know, balance, balance. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I do. Nick's like, no, I just want to. I absolutely do. But I'm still having a little trouble with that. Like every day you want to get up and have sex is like directly linked to you wanting to create. I think maybe there's something to like want to create a sexual moment with two people. Because I don't think most time like if I think about like I want to go have sex with someone, it's not completely like I don't think in terms of my own personal experience. I'm like, oh, like it's an experience between two people. You're kind of like creating a moment. So it's a desire for intimacy and connecting to uh, the brought something. It's also else. like an activity, you as know, opposed to just jizzing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> is what you're saying. Like you had, like, like you had a moment between two people. You had like this physical activity that you both shared that was like a series of things that you I did f- together, which is creative yeah. by nature. Yeah, because the point of creating stuff is to connect to other people. Yes, I, I yeah. So I I would say that it would be a part of it too. I don't think it's all. I would always be like, I need to create a life, even though it's like you're not actively consciously thinking that. But but also sometimes I think humans just want to do things that feel good. Sometimes you just want that. Okay. You know? Yeah, I know what you're yeah. saying. Like having like hot chocolate sometimes or walking in a park, you know, or like <laughs> thinking of Coco the other having day. Having unprotected sex I was with a girl you don't know. I was just thinking of Coco the other day yeah. and how I want to yeah. have it around just like on hand for just when I want hot chocolate. Yeah. How often do you guys have unprotected sex? What's a condom? That's my answer. <laughs> What is a condom? That doesn't trip you out at all? It doesn't make you fearful on, on any No, level? no, I'm, I'm kidding. When I was younger, I would, I mean, it would be like, are you good? Because I'm good. Let's go. <laughs> and it would be no 
discussion of it. So they never made you afraid that you would get a girl pregnant, for example, and then have to deal with those consequences. If forget about disease, I'm just saying. Let's just start with the pregnancy. Yeah. Well, kid is the worst disease of all. So like the other ones are cured. That's like seven day antibiotics and you're done. But like I've dodged a lot of bullets. I'm like really fortunate to never have gotten anything like that. But like according to this podcast. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 On air only. (laughs) No. Uh, but really, like me and my friends discuss it all the time. It's like, how the fuck are we the age we're at now and all the indiscretions we've ever had and we never have gotten anything? How many friends do you, you talk to about this? Like four, five, ten? I mean, most comedians are right. like pretty Because you know Herbie's one and four, so definitely somebody's lying in that group. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. I mean, probably, yeah. You know? So they're like, but yeah, I mean, so- my friends are pretty like honest. They'll be like, I've but had couldn't this, there just like- be like a bunch of dudes, like a twenty, a group of twenty friends, where literally all of them have herpes that offsets like ten dudes where none. Right, right, right. They yeah, could just be like a but- full-on herpes gang. Yeah, like Arizona. I mean, that, you know, that college kids in Arizona includes cold, like oral cold sores, which like, I mean, I don't know, maybe they do. Right. But they just don't think of it or count it. I think everyone when they oh, think that herpes statistics includes no. I think that's statistics for HSV. Which is normally genital. I, I, I mean, I can't. I call speak them to upstairs that. and downstairs, so I don't know these. I thought that was uh, that included both, but I don't know. I have no idea. I think both is like one and two. Get the fuck out. Yeah, fifty percent. So many people have uh, oral cold sores. is very common. I don't see very many people with cold sores. I mean, I don't think they just like cover your. F- in some cases, no. no but I, I, I look. I'm very cognizant of the corners of people's mouths because that's an, can be an intense area when there's a problem. Yeah, I, I rarely <laughs> see cold sores. <laughs> Does that even mean? Right, right, right. Nothing's grosser than like a corner of the mouth. Though we also live in Southern California, where it's a very ideal climate. And to not get them. Yeah, because I oh. feel like when it's, I feel like people react to it with stress and winter, and it gets dry and right. You know. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I'm. I don't know. We should Google this later. But yeah. Anyway. Uh, but for the pregnancy thing, that would yeah. be a question is always like, are you on the pill? But if 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 I've ever hooked up with a girl that's like, I'm not on the pill. I'm using a condom a thousand percent. I use a condom when they're on the pill. I mean, it depends if they're insane too. If it's she's like crazy. How do you know, you guys? Uh, in my experience, dudes never know when a girl's crazy. You really? don't know right away. No, of well, course not. It takes you guys forever. No, to pick I know right shit. away. Really? Yeah. A lot of my dude friends, I'm like, what are you doing? They're like, nah, she's cool. And I'm like, you're Do you stupid. date type A's or B's? There's no way you date type A's. Me, do I date type A's? Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, so that's why they don't know. Well, no, I'm not talking about dudes that I date. I'm talking about my homies, which, you know, yeah. I have a lot of dude homies, if you can't tell. <laughs> you know, yeah. but <laughs> Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So they they can't tell like who's crazy and who's I not. I just think guys are kind of stupid about judging girls sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's a generalization. I'm not trying to sure, yeah. comment on you know you guys. I think when we're attracted to women, are uh, we we tend to like love to ignore a lot of stuff because of how attracted we are to them. We'll let that inform us a little in the beginning a little more than yeah. we'll let the red flags. I mean, and, I've if you want, and if you haven't hooked up with them and you want to, you don't want to let yourself be honest about the fact that they're crazy because you want to hook up with them. I have definitely dated crazy girls knowing full well that they were. Yeah, well, a lot of guys like crazy girls. Yeah, I definitely had a period of time where I was... Crazy girls was, are was so into. fun for a month. Yeah. Yeah. And then... They're, they're exciting. They're amazing in bed. They're just like, it's fun because they're nuts. And then after a month, you're like, all right, I don't want to, you got to get away before yeah. you get 
too crazy to where I have to worry about you killing me. <laughs> right. right. Or the yeah. pets or something like yeah. that. Yeah. The pets. That's gnarly. You guys have. I've never met a girl like naughty. that. No, 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 no. This is all just like. <laughs> some the- crazy ass naughty right there. Theoretic- <laughs> theoretical. <laughs> um, Interesting. But the answer to that question, I was largely kidding about like, what's a condom? I'm not that crazy. Or like reckless, I guess. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't hit it. I don't hit it enough to, to. Are you guys like a booty call people or like casual hookup type people? I can be. Or are you more like a. Less so now than when I was younger. You like to date. I like to date. Yeah. Kevin's a dater. You can tell. I date. Yeah. Well, Kevin hasn't left, left his house in like a month. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) With the exception Uh, of like going to a quick art show, do a spot, go home. Not true. Not true. But Kevin's intensely creative right now. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Nick's like, whatever. <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I've I've been both like a uh, casual hookup, like what was even her name the next day, how or, long or you, dating. How long will you hook up with a booty call before you cut it? If it if I know for me it's just a this is we're we ju- we're just hooking up. Mm-hmm. It'll be over the second she's like, what are we doing? Should we do more than like, are we going to start dating? I'm like, over. Will you keep a girl on deck indefinitely? What do you mean? Like if she never has that conversation with you, will you keep her on deck? Sure. I've had, there, there was one that was like a, uh, like a just casual hookup girl for years. Mm -hmm. We would each get into relationships and then we, I'd get out of one or she'd get out of one. Hey, are you single now? Cool. What are you doing later? All right, come over. And then, but we were, it was just, that was understood. We never wanted to date each other. Mm-hmm. We were just attract. We were cool with each other. Very, we were like friends, mm-hmm. but we liked hooking up with each other. But we knew this is, we're not two people that would date. So we were completely comfortable with just like, we hook up with each other. If we're dating other people, we would stay out of each other's hair. We're respectful of that. And then, and then now she's like, I don't know, moved somewhere, but... <laughs> And I don't remember her name or anything. No, no, no. About so I her. remember her name. Every once uh, in a while, we'll hit each other. Hey, how you been? Name good, her. Good name to hear her from now. you. Name her first and last name. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's been a couple of those, and um, and yeah, I mean, some people are, are can be very adult about that kind of thing. Yeah. Where it's like I don't want anything more from you than this, and this is just like the nature of our relationship. I don't even know if I would believe. I don't. I haven't. I don't think I've had anyone offer that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that I would believe them if they did. Right. I think I'd like on their behalf be like, you don't mean that. So do you think that you could bone a chick and not catch feelings for an indefinite period of time? Yeah, but I would feel guilty. Because you'd think you'd assume that the girl wasn't yes. capable of that, which you well, do realize as you're saying right now that that's kind of fucked up. No, I don't <laughs> yeah. assume. I mean, unless they tell me, which none of, no, I've hooked up with girls and not had feelings for them. And none of them have ever said, hey, I'm cool. Like, they've never, I've never had anyone say, like, I'm totally cool with this on this level. Usually, or uh, literally every single time it's been like, is this going to progress? I haven't had a thing where someone is like, hey, let's just hook up. I'm cool with this. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times the conversation doesn't specifically arise and you talk it all out. It's just like... Yeah, you just never talk about it. Yeah, you, you Or just, I, I've been able to tell through their behavior that they wanted to date. Yeah. You know. It's also how you hang out with them or with each other when you are doing that. If you end up like, if it's, it becomes like a, we, we just hook up and it's like you never hear from her. She never hears from you before like 10 or 11 p.m. But then like after a month or two, she stays the night. Then you go have breakfast and you're kind of hanging out a little bit. That kind of opens the doors for at least one of the two to be like, 
oh, maybe there's something more. I've gotten to know him a little more. I've gotten to know her. And then you can get into that. But if you're pretty, like, clear-cut on the, like, I never stay over at your place or you never stay at mine and we don't, like, go to movies together and hang out because we are not dating, then it's, like, no one's going to get the wrong idea. Yeah, I don't think I've ever hooked up with anyone that I didn't hang out with. Like, there's never been, like, I don't... I've never... Like I can think of really hooked up with someone who just like hits me late at night, like "Hey, you up?" Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't that's think those prob- are the kind of girls that like me. Like <laughs> that's probably why yours usually turn into like, "Hey, is there going to be anything?" More? Yeah, because I mean, you, I think you know. that's the yeah, because that's your game, Kev. Because yeah. you're, well, the, you're I don't, the good guy. But I don't like. Uh, I don't. I don't. He's a monster. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's happened, but I, I don't have a tendency to want to like hook up with someone that I can't at least in some way in theory think there may end up being something with. I've done it. And but it it's not terribly uh, satisfying for me. Okay, here's another question for you. Like how this has become my podcast. <laughs> Your podcast. <laughs> you yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> how old are you, Nick? What's that? How old are you? Um, thirty two. Thirty two. Yeah. Kev, how old are you? Thirty seven. Thirty. How old are you? Thirty six. Okay. <clears throat> Do you guys feel like now that you've gotten older that your dick is not as hard anymore? <laughs> um, sometimes. <laughs> Because it takes a lot more to get me going now. Interesting. Like a personality. If there's no personality. Like I was saying earlier, where it's like, do I want to go hang out with this person I have fucking zero interest in just to get laid or not? But I'm talking like your base hardness. Like the hardest that you get on average now, do you think it's as hard as the average hardness you got when you were younger? Like 21 younger? Like, yeah, 20s. Um, It's pretty close, I'd say. Interesting. I honestly don't remember a lot of the sex I've had in my life. <laughs> what? What? I'm you don't even tough. drink or do drugs. Te- well, you got to. I was in long-term relationships, so it was mostly with the same person over oh, and over. Yeah. So, like one five-year chunk, one seven-year chunk. So all of that sex kind of blends together. Wow. So it, there's not a lot of like remembering of like this like oh no i met this person at a hotel and a thing you know what i mean my my heart just wept a tear for you right there (laughs) no it's just but i don't i don't i don't notice a large difference in the kind in the way in which well if you don't notice a difference then the hardness must be the same because i could probably notice notice it like like i don't really want to like hit it like three times in a night anymore like i'm tight no i'm not talking about wanting to fuck multiple times or being able to have endurance i'm talking about actual rigidity of the dick yeah yeah i'd say about the same interesting I will. The only difference I'll say is now, since I'm not in long-term relationships, like I didn't have most of the early sex I had in my life was without a condom, because I was of in long-term relationships, relationships yeah, yeah, yeah. with people that were on the pill. So after like the initial being together, like a handful of months, we both would like get tested and then we'd stop using a condom. Right. right. So now I guess that's different. Like doing it with a condom is different. You have Dude, to. Dude, just- how awful are condoms? <laughs> they're not that. They're awful. the worst. I mean, they're not. They're definitely not as good. But there's something kind of hot about the ritual. Like, yeah, we have to take out a condom because we're about to fucks. Like, there's something sort of dirty about that. But they do suck. Oh, they're the worst. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you just you see. Want- I like the re- I like the reverse ritual where you're like. Let's stop using this. this I mean, sucks. the goal is to meet someone after a month. You're like, wait, you're not a psychopath and neither am I. And we've, neither <laughs> one of us had diseases. Holy yeah. shit, this is dope. Let's stop using this. Yeah. You can. You know how to pull out? Great. But yeah, I don't think I noticed much of a difference. What, is this a conversation that you were having with like a guy friend where he was like, I don't think my dick's as hard as it used to be. Uh, no. I don't know. I just have these kinds of conversations with a lot of people. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, human, human conversations. Yeah. I mean, I think they're conversations people don't have enough of. Yeah, totally. I think, I think it's, I think that now, uh, cause I have a lot of dude friends, you know what I mean? So I have no problem talking about any of this stuff with them. And I think a lot of girls now are actually even dirtier than a lot of the dudes that I know are more comfortable talking about that. But I don't think that there's a lot of like cross talking a lot of the time. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. And I think there should be because it's just sex. Yeah, what's the big deal? It's yeah, it's not like a shameful dirty If I knew I was going to hit it later or like the next like oh, I'm going to see this girl tomorrow, mm-hmm. I would definitely not jerk off just to make sure that I would be at the proper level of stoke when it came time <laughs> to do business. And how much do you feel like alcohol affects impairs your I don't well, you drink, don't drink. So I don't know. When I used to, I Oh, you don't drink either anymore? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, he's not an either. He just has never yeah, really... Yeah, he never did. Never really I mean, either, it. like, you don't drink, period, now. Yeah, at as all, As well yeah. as Kevin. Right. Got it. No, Kevin could have a drink if... I drank, like, three weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, I, you could? Yeah. yeah. But why are you not drinking now? I just don't like it that much. No, I don't like it in general, but occasionally it happens. Okay. Yeah. Like, every once in a while, I'll be like, okay, I'll do this, and you then You never, I, like, get wasted, and then no. it impairs your ability to fuck, in no. general. Okay. <laughs> For me, when I used to drink, it would only help it. Wow, really? Yeah. Interesting. I could just go forever and ever and ever and ever. But that was when you were young. No, I mean, I quit drinking almost three years ago. So like 28, 27, 28, 29. Even then. Interesting. So you never got whiskey dick? No. I used to do a whole bit about that. About whiskey dick? Yeah. Interesting. What was the bit? I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Um, Summarize. But the summary is, I think it's a myth that only women accuse dudes of getting guys never accuse themselves. What guys do get a lot of is the, I'm sobering up and realizing this is a mistake dick. Ooh, interesting. Very interesting. Thank you. All available on my album. Stop not owning this (laughs) coming out on vinyl vinyl. today. See, I think this is is January 13th for girls to know, you know? Yeah. Like don't put up with that bullshit ladies. Right. (laughs) He just turned it against me. (laughs) (laughs) Why? I know. I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Sex is weird to me. I started having it late. I've had it with probably a smaller number of people than most dudes. Mm -hmm. So it's still to me like I probably have. I have probably less sexual experience than than almost than most men my age. What What? age did you lose your virginity? Twenty-two. Okay. What sign are you? Aquarius. Mm, humanitarian what sign are you taurus mm, taurus i'm supposed to be a humanitarian aren't you going to attribute a thing to that? taurus is loyal stubborn steadfast yeah. but yeah. sexual yeah <laughs> yeah aquarius also sexual but not like like i'm scorpio which is the most sexual right and taurus and scorpio are axes partners right <clears throat> so with certain similarities and also like 100 percent uh, opposites on other things yeah just curious Hmm. do you believe in that stuff yeah i mean i think everything is a guide and i don't think anyone should use anything as an excuse to attribute it to being lazy to not making a uh uh not taking responsibility to making a a decision you know yeah not to abandon free will i think in places of the world where there's actual weather and seasons the time of year when you are born probably plays a large part um, it can affect your personality a lot mm-hmm. certain events in your life like your where your birthday falls in reference to like weather and the type of year is like totally different mm-hmm. that's why people you who really ex- believe in astrology they're like no don't don't like obviously don't read any 
astrological forecast in a paper or whatever. They say like get your birth chart done properly and specifically, time yeah. of day, latitude, oh, yeah. longitude. Because it's not just your gender, it's not just your rising, it's not just your sun sign. There's so many other factors oh, yeah, that yeah. that uh, you know. Yeah, rising signs play a big part of it. Yeah, your Venus, your Mars, yeah. all that shit makes a difference. Yeah, I got mine done like fifteen years ago, maybe by now, and it was like alarmingly accurate. Yeah. But I'd believe that. You know, yeah, you take it with like a grain of salt. I mean, at the same time, it's like, what's it going to tell you to do? It doesn't tell you to do anything. You know exactly. I mean? Yeah. It just kind of tells you what you're like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can use it as a guide, but that's it. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, interesting. You were 19 when you last read, and you were 22. Yeah. How old were you? 16. Okay. But you know what's fucked up is that I lost my virginity when I was 16. I was in high school, and I lost it to a dude who was 22, who was in college, who was a senior in college. And at the time, it didn't seem that crazy. But when I look back on it now, it's fucked up. Yeah, it's really that guy was a pedophile. That guy committed a crime <laughs> like, in Ew. every state. But which is, he did technically commit a crime. What's funny, though, is when I think about that dude, it's not like he's like a... He's just a moron. You know what yeah. I mean? Right. Just some dude. Me, I, I didn't even love him. I remember... I, this is the kind of person young Yuna was. I remember I woke up one day and I was just like, I'm ready to lose my virginity. And I literally <laughs> just lost it within like a week. That's the difference between being a girl and a guy. Because I, for example, had that same thought when I was 15, and then it took me four fucking years to be able to do it. See, I was afraid of losing it for years, and then I decided one day, okay, today's the day. But I was in a relationship, and she wanted to have sex, and and I was like, I'm not ready, and she was totally cool about it, and then I waited like another year or something, and then I surprised her. I feel, wow, so romantic. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, you really held out there, Kev. I did. I feel yeah. like dudes aren't assertive enough anymore. I hear this as a complaint. It's, it's, so it's a bit of a it's a bit of a catch twenty two because the kind of a, there's we we haven't yet been informed on the new mode of proper assertiveness. It's ve- we're in it literally in the changing yeah transition right now yeah mm-hmm. literally right now yeah. the like old way of hitting on women is not appropriate yeah so you're, what's you're the new you and I asshole. talk about this a lot like yeah. Yeah. The, what's the new appropriate way to holler at a girl I notice this when I hang out with girls routinely after I've hung out with them a few times they're like yeah I can't tell with you what if you like me and I'm like oh, I'm just trying not to be a dirtbag. But like after it seems like after they like you, they're like, no, okay, go ahead and start being a dirtbag. <laughs> like it's okay, you're not. I don't. I don't think you're gonna hurt me or an asshole or whatever. Go ahead and like do the like like it. You're. It's okay to like be assertive now. But in my head, it's like not really worth the risk of like whatever happening. Like right. being, I don't know, being besmirched <laughs> by them after the fact. Like oh, he's like fuck a lecherous dude who like did something. It's so so it's, do you like an ag- uh, aggressive, assertive guy? Like to be like no, you clearly don't, flirty and like kind of... You don't want somebody to be aggressive and like a dick because that sucks right. and that's retarded and mm-hmm. corny and douchey. Yes. But you want it to be clear that they're feeling you. Like they should be flirting with you, you know? Or they should be... Here's the other thing, and I guess I could see this is kind of hard and this is questionable, but... Well, I'm not even going to go there. That's just too much of a... Pandora's box but yeah I think that they I think I have found that a lot of times when I hang out with dudes they are or they'll be flirty but they don't like they're still waiting for me to give them 100% of a green light and or like make the first move and that to me is like very 
because of my personality, it's very unattractive to me, you know? Right, right. So, those Yeah, a lot of guys late. play that like there's still a 30% chance that like she isn't, but that it's, you just got to make that Yeah, exactly. Move. If, if you can't make that move, you don't get the nanny. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. <laughs> that's just kind of how I, that's like my personal, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? At the same time, like nobody likes it when they're not when somebody's like reading the signals badly. But I just feel like a lot of times it's like uh, I don't know. It's just been interesting. But I could, you know, my whole roster this past year has been kind of whack. So <laughs> your roster of yeah. dudes, <laughs> yeah. That's but funny. I mean, I find that just from here, and that is a very common what, the way you just express it. I, I, I is a common complaint from women. They're like, why, why don't we make a move? Why do I have to like spell it out for you? Is like at the same time you from a dude perspective or just uh from my perspective it's like why aren't why are, is are women incapable of taking the same risk well i guess here's the thing okay so for example i guess somebody like me i'm so assertive about so much in my life yeah. i make so much shit happen that if i have to do that as well i'm just like uh you just like made more work for me or something or, you know what i mean uh-huh. it's just like not that i right. hear that a lot from female bosses where they're like i'm a boss all day long yeah like yeah you be in the driver's I don't seat. want, yeah, yeah like, yeah. oh, I'm going to have to direct you too? Like, yeah. fuck that, you know? Or the other the other thing is, is what I, which so again, like a friend of mine recently, a dude, <clears throat> he's single or whatever. He recently became single. That dude has like, girl, they're so aggressive. Like, girls are just all up on that dude. And I'm like, wow. Like, I just feel like girls, okay, because here's the thing. Girls, this is what they say, right? The men want to feel respected. Women want to feel safe slash secure. That's what they say. I mean, uh-huh. that's a very broad term. Let me, I think translation, translating that, I think girls don't like ambiguity sometimes, so they really like to lock in the dude, you know? Right. So, and because girls are so assertive now, they're just like, oh, and I used to be this way too. I used to be very assertive. Uh, if I met a dude and I could, I could already tell that that dude, like I was feeling that dude, like I would just make it happen, you know? Yeah. I'm so, I was in a, you don't know this Nick or listeners, but I was definitely a relationship, I'm a relationship person and I've been on a lot, I've pretty much barely been single in my adult life. Though my last relationship, I broke, we broke up uh, like two years ago and we were together for nine years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, but in general, it's like, uh, it's very like assertive. It just make that shit happen, you know? And this time around, I'm just kind of like, no, I don't really feel like muscling my way through that. Like, I kind of just feel like being more chill, just going with the flow, you know? Uh But I kind of feel like a lot of dudes that I know, and it doesn't bother me because obviously, like, that person, I don't need to be, you know, I'm not, like, bummed. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Like, I'm not super stressed on that stuff. But a lot of these dudes, I feel like they are now used to the girl making it happen, so they don't even, like, do anything i think people what they're used to on both genders are just it being uh easy and immediate on both sides yeah it's like we live in a hookup culture which i hate using that phrase because it's used a lot but it it is and it's true so people are used to like almost like you hit someone up online and even but hey what's up you want to meet here for a drink and if they do you usually have the same thing on your mind and then before you know it, you're both like kind of on each other and you're having sex See, I don't or do any online stuff because A, I wasn't 
single when all that stuff came. Right. And B, I'm the kind of person who I really like Tinder. Everyone's like, dude, Tinder. My friend just got engaged off of Tinder. She That's dated some dude for five months. They're engaged. Fucking crazy. Yeah, it's insane. I know a lot of really happily together couples from Tinder. Wow. I was like, be on Tinder. And I'm like, no, dude. And it's not because I, I think online stuff is whack. I don't. I think it's right. I'm stoked for my yeah. friends. But when I look, I can't judge somebody. I'm an energy person. Yeah, me too. Can't tell from this previous three hours of this podcast. Yeah. When I Almost. look at a picture of a person, I can't tell whether I'm going to vibe with that person or not on yeah. the screen, you know? And also, like, when somebody's, like, good-looking, I actually think that counts against them. Like, I don't like really good-looking people at first, like, because when I see really good-looking people, I'm kind of like, oh, well, uh... I feel like most better looking people are like uh, kind of less interesting in this one way. Like I like weirdos, you know what I mean? I like, like weird people. Uh-huh. So, you know, that kind of Tinder shit's not going to work for me. You know? That's what I find it difficult because yeah. when you do meet someone in that way and you don't know them, to me the first two times you hang out are just like trying to figure out if you're even two humans that should know each other on any level, yeah. let alone on a romantic level. So then it becomes hard for me to make a transition from like being respectful and polite and just like listening and learning about someone to be like, and how about this dick? Like it's hard. That's like a tough, like, okay, we don't hate each other's guts. It's weird to go from that to being just like friendly, basically. I guess it's just interesting to me because I'm in my thirties now and I was never single in my thirties. And I guess I just assumed in my thirties that people would ask you out on a date and nobody does that because in your twenties, you definitely don't do that. You kind of just fall into shit. You know what I mean? That, that whole, the reason I brought up that online dating hookup because that's what's fostered that hookup culture, and right. it's like when now when you're single, I feel like twenties or thirties, you you can just skip all those steps of like go out meet someone and have a little bit of a courtship and like j- just go to like am I going to get laid right away? But like if that's what the dude is looking for or the chick, but like when you really want someone to date date you will go through those steps you know what i mean you'll be a little more assertive and you'll like you'll you'll take the necessary actions to make it happen right but i think like a lot of guys if they're like i don't really care about getting to know her i just want to get laid they'll like they'll see the one that you have to talk to a little more is too much work and then just discard it and then go find the one who's like all about it but i think that's the problem with with girls and dudes is that we don't like dudes who don't put in any effort yeah but then those guys, are, they don't, like, the, the guys that are like that, yeah. they don't care. They ultimately don't care what those girls think because they're like, yeah, fine, don't like me. I don't want to get to know you anyway. I just right. want the girl who's going to let me sleep with her. And then they'll go find her. Right. And they'll do that, which is like a problem because it's like, how are you going to meet real people? And like, I think everyone should date. I don't think you should just be like a single, do that maybe for a few years in your early mid-20s or whatever and figure it out. But like, you need to date. You need to learn how to like communicate with the opposite sex and like understand people and compromise and communicate and all that stuff. And you need to go through those steps. You got to like listen to a girl. You have to pay attention and like respect her and like take her out and like go through those motions. Otherwise, you just become like a fuck machine. Yeah. I know guys like that who are like in their mid thirties now, and yeah. it's like you don't know how to fucking talk to a girl. Yeah. You just think of them as like, oh, that's a, that's a warm hole I'm going to be in later. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's kind of gross after all. It's kind of sad. Nah, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's just very, it's just uh, limiting. Yeah. Why limit is. yourself, you know? It really is. It's funny because people think that relationships are limiting 
which some of them can be, but mm-hmm. also the opportunity that you, what you learn from being in a relationship is a uh, very expansive. Yeah. 100%. Because it's about relationships. It is like, it is communication with the entire world and like a microcosm. You know totally. What I mean? Yeah. My last dude was so different than me. He's such a cool dude. And we broke up on really good terms. We we're super stoked on each other. Everything's right. But he's literally the fucking opposite of me. Yeah. And it was so gnarly navigating like how like how to communicate with him. And I don't even know how we even ended up being together at all. Never mind for nine years. But <laughs> right. I'm like feel like I'm so much of a better person because of him. Like this chill of me, like I'm sure has a lot to do with him because he was like pro skater, surfer. Like he's right. the ultimate chill person. So, you know, it's cool. Relationships can be cool. Yeah, they totally can be. And the people, I don't know, there's just a lot of people that have been in one bad one and then they were burned on it and then they're well, just I just think people don't like forever. to do the work is like kind of what you're saying. And we're so yeah. used to like instant gratification and we're also, a lot of times people go into relationships because that are very mediocre because they're afraid of being alone, which is stupid. It just sucks. Anytime you do yeah. anything motivated from fear, that's a bummer, you know? Yeah, and all, the, yeah, all those reasons are. The not wanting to be alone, the putting in too much work because what if it doesn't work out? You have to do. You have to just do it. You guys are so sensitive. I had no idea. <laughs> I feel like yeah. I'm the least sensitive person in the room right now. Maybe. It's awesome. I've probably cried more recently than you have. I'm in this uh, fantasy <laughs> basketball league with a bunch of dudes who are all, a bunch of them are in uh, indie bands. and like they're Anyway, they're all nerds, <laughs> huge basketball fans. And it's so funny because I really, my brother's super assertive um like type a financial guy and um he's a huge sports fan and i'm like used to sports fans like that or like hardcore like rugged skate dudes and it's so funny because i was like join this league i'm the only girl in the league and it's the first time i've done it you know and i was so scared i was like psyching myself up for all the shit talking like I thought there was gonna be like insane shit talking <laughs> and they're like hey like I'm on like the group text message and it's like hey man congrats on the win today I'm like what the fuck are you talking yeah. about congrats. he crushed you fool like yeah. what do you mean you you're know you're supposed to tell him to go fuck himself yeah. they're all like all sweet to each other and like what the fuck is this shit it's really so funny. funny that's why I stopped doing fancy football was the message board with the shit talking was so corny to me I was like this is the dumbest yeah. <laughs> this is the dumbest. Well, you can join my league because they're kidding. so supportive. I don't know enough about basketball. There's too many games. It's a lifestyle yeah, like choice. Dude, that's, I know. That's a lot. It's like Football's fantasy baseball. Like 16 games. Um, we actually have to end because our battery is running out. <laughs> <laughs> the battery is going to die. We, I think you uh, broke also, our record. I, you're, you're, I think, our longest episode. Two two hours and 32 minutes. Wow, that's so good. long. I wonder if anyone will actually listen to this whole thing. Doubt I think they will. We have to split it in two. Yeah, no. <laughs> I will clarify that they're, they're, the first part is much different than the second part. <laughs> the first part is they getting to know you. Sick. And let's talk about the business. And then we get into some fucking heavy shit. Second half is get weird zone. Yeah. You <laughs> interview us for a while. <laughs> I know. No, it was great. This is exactly I, I what we want. I could grill you so much harder. We could get <laughs> you, so deep. You know what you should do? What? Is just come back on, on the show. And we don't even have to talk about war. We can just talk about like real life stuff. We'll start weird and stay weird. Yeah, I'm serious. You're an interesting person. Cool. And this is the kind of stuff we talk about anyway on the show. Cool. Outside of like vain materialistic stuff like style and 
Things like that. You guys talk about style? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, yeah. Oh, you were on Hypebeast recently. Well, yeah, we were. I was here. Pretty, I know. Pretty yeah. impressive. I yeah. met both of you guys. Yeah, yeah, we were impressed with ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> it was, was really cool. We, we were really, were literally impressed with ourselves. Yeah, we were, we were kind of giddy yeah. about it. Self Edge, greatest denim company in the world. Okay. Cool. Come back for for real. Cool. This is fun. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you.